Merry holidays, motherfuckers. It is season two, episode 20, the season two finale that's gone on for four months too long, Jimmy. And we're bringing you inconsequential conversation on consequences. I've got a mug of hot cocoa, a right hand that has multiple probably fairly serious first degree, maybe second degree burns. And we've got a box of seized chocolate that's just staring you down like you used to... Look at the ladies back when we would go uh, trolling out at the, you know, the clubs back in the 20s. I don't think trolling's an acceptable term anymore. It's not, but it was back then. And speaking of, um, I put on a Christmas movie for the last day of after school camp uh, for the kids that come to that program that I run at the school. And I was like, we're going to finish. We're going to finish with a holiday classic. We're going to finish with Home Alone. Because it's rated PG. I forgot that back then there was no PG-13. So five minutes into the show, uh, Kevin's older brother's like, you're an idiot, you moron. You can kiss my ass. And I was like, all right, so we're watching the cartoon Grinch, everybody. I'm going to get some phone calls on that. Yeah, it was was solid. I mean, there was like, you know, I don't know, eight words that, you know, Kids that are in kindergarten, first grade, their parents wouldn't want them to be probably hearing. Well, they want you to listen. You, they wouldn't want, want, wouldn't want you to probably put it on. For right. Yeah. So, so and my, uh, and my stuttering's back. So I was like, it's uh, I'm like, it's been it's been five minutes. It's been five. I'm five minutes in. Yeah. I'm five minutes in. So yeah, that was an epic fail and a reminder that there are things that used to be acceptable, uh, back in the day that are no longer acceptable anymore. Yeah. And there are certain things that are acceptable today that probably shouldn't be that you just didn't openly say or do in front of people who were recording you with their cell phones. Yeah. Like, you know, a decade ago. So, you know. Yeah, true. Tip it for tap, flippity flap. It all equals out in the end. Is that the moral of the story? I don't know. You talk for a little bit and how things have been going. I'm looking for one of these... Um, what are you looking for in that box? I don't know, man. I'm going to go with... The... I know every single one don't of Don't tell me. I don't want you to ruin it for right, me. That's you a know? Bordeaux. Jesus Christ. We, we've dealt with this before. We did this one yes, time before. We did this, we did we did this last before. time? Yeah, I know every one of those. Ah, son of a bee. I'm going to eat it anyway. Even if because it's, I'm it, fat. Even if it's and a... I know every... every seized candy This one. Right. This one's a French whorehouse. It was encapsulated sure. in here. Yeah, yeah there you, you go. said a Bordeaux, I mean, Napoleon's out. I don't know if you've seen it. He might be in there, too. I ran into a family that I know... And when I was trying to get some mochi donitos, um, um, mochi, they had oh, I know what you're talking about, yeah, yeah, they had walked out of it 20 minutes in, and that was horrible. What Napoleon? Oh, yeah, no, I, I've heard nothing but terrible things about Napoleon mm. in terms. I, I listen, it's kind of like Alexander the Great. I mean, who did Alexander the Great? Was that Oliver Stone who did oh, that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did he kill JFK at the end of that movie? Mm, no, but uh, after Jared Leto dies, yeah. Alexander blows Vladimir Putin. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe that's why it was so controversial. Yeah. But I remember watching Alexander the Great, and I, I I've never finished that movie. I, I I think I've watched maybe forty five minutes of that movie. That's because it was eight hours long, and I was like, "This is ridiculous." And then uh, because you really cannot encapsulate, you know, <laughs> the life of Alexander the Great in even a four hour Hollywood movie. And I certainly don't think Oliver Stone was. Up but James that. Rosario Dawson was in it topless. So you should have watched. I didn't see that part. Of that's the what. 
That's what Oliver was. She's absolutely beautiful. That's what all. Uh, that's what Oliver was trying to do. He was like, "But guys, listen. This is the entire reason why I made yeah. this film." Yeah. Um, no, sorry about that. Um, if you just if you, if you stop saying sorry every time it happens, I know this yeah. has been going on for like six episodes now. But if you start stop saying sorry every time it happens, it just sounds like gorgeous, beautiful wind chimes. Yeah, well, it's the, the ring. Background. It's the ring thing. You know? Nobody knows that. Yeah, everybody knows. We that. could be out. That's on our, super famous. We could be out on our stoop. I've been on this. I've been on the and street. A gentle, and it goes and a off gentle and breeze. Like, okay, I'll let you go. Parliamentary rules. You have the floor. Is going across our faces as we bathe in the perfect weather of the South Bay, and makes the wind chimes sing. Just kisses them. Kisses them on their way out. And you're like, I'm sorry. Let's just move on. I'm sorry for the wind. I'm sorry for the wind? No, this is this is my phone. That's the wind. the wind. It's I'm, gonna, I'm pretending it's the wind. It's not, there's no wind chime. James, there are so that. many things technically, logistically, and just edit, editorially wrong with this show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I need it to be the wind, yeah. okay? And, and, Let and, it be the wind, James. I don't want to... I, I don't want to talk about how the sausage is made, but I just watched Zach uh, edit an entire episode of ours. It was great. Took about 30 seconds. <laughs> There were things that we agreed that we were going to cut out of it, and you were like, no, no it's all gold. We're, we're going to roll with it. it we're going to roll with it. Because, listen, guys, it's the finale, and if you're still with us, and shockingly, we do check the numbers, <laughs> a decent-sized amount of you are. Um, or it could be one person listening, you know, 30 to 40 times <laughs> just to get through an episode. Yeah. I, I don't know, but... I don't think they count it like that. The, 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 the awesomeness... That was the crafting of our first season, which I think, you know, on any level of, you know, small scale, people would say it was well thought out. There was a plan. There was a story arc. You guys did what you set out to do. I could agree with you. I could not agree with you. I could sometimes agree with you. I could sometimes not. Um, I could leave a, you know, review on your Apple that said that you're progressive communist sons of bitches and nobody should ever listen to this trash. You could do any of those things, and I'd be fine with it. The second season, our sophomore season, we slumped. Hard. We slumped hard, man. Yeah, we yeah. slumped hard. We we. But it's been it's been a brutal year. Dude. We weren't consistent. I've had a brutal year. Yeah, we weren't consistent. I mean, yeah, it's 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 been, and and we took it we took it four to five months longer than we should have, but we had to finish out for like Ooh, we had the strike. We did take a we did we did take a four to five month break somewhere well, we, between. We were on strike. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's all we're going to retell. That's why Nettie Niederlander is no longer here. We finally went to court and got rid of him. Had to get rid of him. Yeah, that was... And uh, we had to go on strike, you know, because of the uh, Actors Guild and the Writers Guild right. were on strike. And, and, we, we, and we, were, we, we are a part of that. We're not going to We're not gonna cross the table. Yeah, we're like, we... we we're, not a, we're, no, we're not a part of it. Yeah, we, we showed are, up. No, 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 and they we, were like, what are, what are you fat yeah, fucks doing we're here? like, we have a podcast. They're like, oh, <laughs> like, go, so go, everybody yeah, they're like, go stand over there with that mob of people. And we're like, no problem. Not a problem. No, it was a brutal year. Year in review. Mm. What was the best movie you saw this year? Oh, Jesus. Are we doing that now? Yeah. thought we were going to do that at the end. No, well, we're going to do the predictions at the oh, end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, best movie I saw this year. I didn't see any movies, man. I don't recall seeing a lot of movies I don't. Either. I don't I don't think I've gone out to see a movie or focused on a new movie that's come out since uh, before the pandemic. Uh, I know and everybody even then, Barbie. And even Did then, you it, see Barbie? It just came out. No, I think, man. Max. No, why the fuck would I see Barbie? I, I didn't see Barbie either. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, you have kids. I'm, I'm assuming that... I'm You're not, gonna see movies that I don't see, but my kids aren't like typical kids, dude. My kids, my 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 kid reads Caro. Yeah, for God's sake, I know that, but I don't know. You know, I mean, it's not a bad film. Apparently, I mean, people the did other, take their kids to see it. The other two have already started like some sort of non for profit donation to save wolves, foxes, horses, and stray dogs. So, like wild horses. 
I don't, I don't know, man. Okay, listen, cool. listen. Sounds like you're not being really. I'm a gr- I'm a great father, but great fathers don't get too invested in what their kids are doing. We're just you're just an overview. I Overwatch. I have to push back against helicopter parenting. Uh-huh. So because that pendulum is all the way over there, yeah. I got to swing this baby all the way back. All right, cool. Yeah. So do you know where your kids are right now? No. Okay, good. Uh, but I'm sure they're okay. I did want to see Oppenheimer though, and I never got I never got a chance to see it. Mm. I was I was going through some family stuff at that time. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that just made me sad. Way to bring that back up. On yeah. The that was my fucking year, bud. Yeah. Still going through it, but you know, there's some more C's. Yep. Oh, this one's gonna be crunchy, guys. Oh, there you go. Get in there. That's what the listeners want to hear. No. No. Um. um hey. Any books? Did you read any books this year that you absolutely loved? No, man. Oh, I own my own small business, dude. I don't have time for anything. Okay. I'm about. I barely have time for this. Since, you know, hence why we skipped well, four well, months. Did we started recording. doing this because we realized not too long, you know, before we started doing this, it, we'd never fucking talk to each other if we didn't turn it into this thing. Yeah, we did. We, well, I mean, I think we talked to each other on the phone. I mean, we we do, but we do. But I mean, we but, just. But we we're like we were moved to do this. Yeah, I know. Kind of like because one one is moved to to have a bowel movement. Right now, somebody who's listening to this is like, Jesus Christ, they are going to go down they in flames. They are fucking terrible. They're driving us all into the side of the mountain so, right now. So, you didn't read any books, you didn't watch any movies. No. Like, um, what did you do, bud? I, I do want to say this. <laughs> um, for anybody out there, I don't think we've talked about this on the show. One thinks the NFL is still real. Oakland Raiders, zero points one week. Next week, 63. Are you going to go down you, this rabbit hole? No, I'm, not, I'm just saying, if you've ever played a team sport... At a high level, mm-hmm. and you understand where you're at in terms of your capabilities, that does not happen. It does not happen. Well, the, the narrative it's is never if the ha- other team, if the other team, never we are skipping all over here. But it's I just want to say, ha- we're going to football now, so let me just say this. If another team, if another team gives up, and that's the narrative, right? The, the, you know, the Chargers just completely gave up on their coach. Stop playing. Yeah. I, I'm, Vegas has lots of narratives they love. How many times? What's the... What's the the percentage of the Vegas wins in terms of their, their sports book? It's like plus 70. Dear jeez. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So um, anyway, yeah, our, our, our year in review was absolutely atrocious. It was terrible. This I won't was, be listening this to was, this. Yeah, this was a, this was a, you know, this is stuff. It was, yeah, I feel like the burn on my, on the burns on my hand or a nice, like, uh, exclamation point at the end of my year. <laughs> this, is how, this is how it's going to end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not been either easy for either you or me, and um, but we're pushing through. We're alive. Yeah, uh, we're a little bit fatter. Yeah, I know we're a little bit older. A little bit older. Yeah. Typically, that's we're, that means we're trending in the wrong direction. True. True. I should probably get up and walk after this is over. Well, yeah. I walk all the time, but it doesn't do anything because <laughs> you have a box of C's candy in front of me. What the fuck do you want us to do? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll kill it at break here, which is going to be in like two minutes. I'll go hide it. I was like, I already moved it like no, yeah, that direction. Keep, keep it out. The aroma is nice. Give me, I just pick it up and like throw it again. Throw it at the, Damn you, C's candy. You make yeah, me fat. At the ceiling, the ceiling floor books, uh, bookshelves that are staring at us right now. And then you just start eating it off the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. The, the, the year has been pretty, uh, pretty brutal. Uh, Thanks for sticking with us if you have stuck with us. If not, um, too bad for you because we're going to get better in season three. Chances are we're not. But this was our sophomore slump. Uh, A lot of life-changing things started to occur, you know, somewhere in this year. Yeah. 
um we'll call we'll uh, call our we'll call the first episode of season three or just season three in general false promises Ooh, i like it yeah i like it uh when we come back i don't know we haven't really narrowed nailed down a date as to when we're coming back no uh but it'll be sometime in january i'm sure no i have 16 no no i have 17 days of vacation no i have 18 days of vacation including this one that we're currently on yeah you don't no. Uh, but I'll enjoy the ones that you don't get to have for you. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll come back when... Why would we record when we have time and freedom to do whatever we want? No, no, we're going to come back no, no, when the work schedule when, gets crazy and yeah, intense. Yeah, no, we're crunching to get this yeah. out, any content out. Yeah. But if it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. Uh, and, James uh, is going to call me, Jesus Christ, did you see Did you see the updates? No, nah, man, I've been working with kids all day. What are you talking about? Fucking aliens have taken over half the planet. Yeah, that actually happened this Dude, week. Yeah. I called Zach up like, hey, have you seen this in the news? See this in the news? No, I'm not going to lie. I didn't see any of it. No, I just, I've been doing, I'm, I'm just limping. I'm limping to the finish line. And then he calls me back like three hours later. Hey, dude, I did see that. And it's actually, we actually ended up having a, like a 15 minute conversation on it. But. We'll talk about what we're referring to in our next segment for the Ukraine update, which we're going to put a little bit of a different spin on. Uh, because aside from the inconsequential conversation on consequences, which this is going to be kind of wrapped up in, part of what we're going to be looking at too is, um, that everybody and their mother and father and anybody else they care about seems to think in this social media digitalized, like everything that I see, you know, TikTok, Instagram, movies, TV shows, streaming, I can get whatever I want whenever I want it through my watch, my phone, wherever. They seem to think that fucking goddamn real life works like a fucking movie. And if results don't happen... You know, or like, uh, it's, you know, we'll, we'll get more into it, but yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that aspect, um, you know, in the Ukraine update. And then also when we get to kind of just talking about consequences in job, people, people feel like they can say shit. And then the, there's, and then if there's repercussions, we're like, what the hell? I'm being canceled. It's outrageous. Yeah, but I think a, a conversation on consequences, we're obviously going to have to have a larger discussion on the idea of of wokeism and how it's being portrayed. Of course. Uh, by various, you know, ideological communities out there. Um, but I think at base, I think what you have always said and uh, and uh, is, is that basically, you know, wokeism is just nothing but a reconstitution of consequences of what you say that there are consequences yeah. of the things that you say yep. you have you're perfectly free to say them yep. but you're also pre- perfectly free to be held accountable for what you say yeah i mean i mean people are like oh, oh my god it's cancel culture i'm like people weren't saying this crazy ass shit and taking these crazy ass stances on the platforms they had <coughs> fucking 10 20 years ago man well, I, I beg to differ. I think they were. I just don't think they were amplified in, on online, and 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 uh, we have entire. I mean, dude, we 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 touched base on it last time, or I think it was the last time we touched base on uh, the mm-hmm. the crazy things that are going on in TikTok. Um, you know, where you have people who read the Osama bin Laden manifesto letter that he sent out in two thousand and two, that is wildly anti-Semitic, yeah. and you have TikTok personalities. Not very many of them, but it's it's been. It's been amplified by the algorithm, right? Yeah. The more times it's shared, it looks like there's a lot of people who are watching this in support when in actuality they're probably just watching it because it's a train wreck of an idea right. that Osama bin Laden has a point in his critique of the West. Right. And what bothers me the most about that is it is wildly anti-Semitic. 
Um, and it's crazy that, that, you know, 20 some odd years after, you know, 9-11 and all of that, that we're actually getting people who are looking at Osama bin Laden as, as a legitimate sort of, uh, <laughs> operating under a legitimate ideology. It's, it's phenomenal to me how anybody can think that way. Yeah. But listen, there's going to be consequences for those folks too. It's not, and again, consequences are not threatening or anything. It's just consequences in terms of having to pay the price. When you publicly state something, someone is going to dissect it. Someone's going to take it apart. Someone's yeah. going to criticize it. Yeah. And we need to be, if you're going to put your ideas out there and yourself out there via social media, uh, the various platforms out there, or even just say some stupid shit at work, yeah. then you have every right. Someone's going to have every right to challenge you on that because what you're doing is inviting someone to, to critique you and to challenge you. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes I think we're prepared to speak, but we're not really prepared to listen. And we are certainly not prepared to be criticized in any way, shape, or form. Right. The First Amendment does not guarantee you at all the right not to be criticized. Or the right to not receive backlash for mm -hmm. what you do or say. Yeah. yeah. And then we can and then when we get into it, obviously we're this is a train wreck of an intro, but <laughs> if we get into it, um, we need to talk about the economic element as well. Yeah. You know, because those are those are what everyone uh, that is what everyone is really con uh, concerned with is people are losing their jobs and losing livelihoods because of some of the things that they say and do and whether, you know, whether or not that should be protected speech. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, no, uh, well, don't give away the ending, bro. Well, I'm just saying, uh, I'm just saying, I'm like, just saying. you know, when you're, when you are, when you get caught at the Capitol building, smashing a window in, yeah. does your nine to five have a right to fire you yes. or dismiss you from, from work? Yeah. Of course, they, you sign a contract stating that you will, you know, there's a certain code of ethics that you will follow. Yeah. And I'm sorry you didn't read the fine print because you wanted the job, but there's these corporations, these institutions, even small businesses like your own yeah. are going to protect themselves. Uh, yeah. And they're a good name. Yeah. And I don't want to be part of a controversy. If you're, if you're working at my summer camp in the summer and we have an at-will contract and I drive down the street and I see you standing in front of, oh, you know, the, lo the the civic center and you're waving a uh, Nazi flag and saluting, you can bet your ass I'm not hiring you. I don't want Nazism or that ideology anywhere associated with the brand or what we're all about and the values we're trying to teach at the summer camp. Mm -hmm. So have at it, man. Do you know, wave your Nazi flag and be a Nazi, but you're not working for me mm -hmm. and you're not bringing my business into that association. Sure. And that, that's how that goes. Yeah. And, and guess what? It's always been that way. No, oh, for sure. Always yeah. has been that way. This whole idea that cancel culture or wokeism is something that's fucking new. Cancel culture has been happening since the beginning of time. Yeah. You say and you do something stupid, the group usually cuts you loose. Yeah. Even I just, back in the hunting and gathering days. I think this is a social media phenomenon. And I think that because we are so, we have so many tools available to us to speak out uh, on various issues that we oftentimes don't think that any of those things that we say are going to come back and haunt us. And they are. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know who thinks that. I mean, no, that's a whole other story, right? Yeah. But, we'll get but, into but, it. but, but yeah, or, or they get called out. No, I'm just, I'm just asking a question. It's my first amendment. Right. I'm just asking a question yeah. guys. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, we will uh, come back and do our Ukraine update.
All right, and welcome back to The Moderate Majority with James and Zach, season two, episode 20, the final finale, inconsequential conversation on consequences. This is our Ukraine update. Jimmy, I'm going to let you open this thing up because you had some interesting points that you were kind of uh, reflecting upon about kind of the realization of where things are at um, in that conflict, um, the issue of whether there's going to be... Uh, Continued funding from the U.S. Uh, well, Zelensky was in town this week, right? Yeah. This is this is the, the backdrop in which we were talking about it earlier this week. Yeah. Zelensky's in town, and he is trying to, you know, sew up, suppo- sew up support for uh, the Ukraine conflict with Russia, the war with Russia, uh, and obviously meets with a pretty friendly White House in terms of uh, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, um, meets with some, I think, some, some Democrats on, on the Hill, um, but mm-hmm. also had the consequential meeting with and some Republican senators, Mike Johnson, and then Mike Johnson and Mike Johnson, who is looks like he's prioritizing impeachment proceedings over funding the war in Ukraine. Yeah, we'll come back to that one in a second. Right. Um, so, uh, what what was in my mind this week, hearing and seeing some of the, before the visit from Zelensky, um, a lot of people in the press, a lot of people. But a lot of people in the press were talking about how this has become a stalemate, right? Yeah. Um, it's only been 500 kilometers in terms of movement on the front line this way or that way, Russia or Ukraine. Right. It's getting, you know, entrenched into these rigid sort of lines of combat that, you know, no amount of weapons or no amount of support the, U- the U.S. gives or, or the West as a whole gives to Ukraine uh, is going to probably move the needle on it. That's been the kind of the narrative before right. Zelensky gets right. there. And what kind of bothered me about that, and my, my criticism of that, was that just where the Ukrainians started in this conflict. Yeah. Right? We can, we can say until we're blue in the face, like, they were only supposed to last four days, according right. to our intelligence and pretty much agreed upon interta- international intelligence. Yeah, Russia's intelligence. <laughs> uh, that they were, they were supposed to, to basically be a vassal state of, of Russia. Uh, yeah, they're going to become a part of it. Uh, yes. Well, yeah. yes. But, I mean, you know, the process would be yeah. throughout the conflict, they'd be a vassal state, there'd be a... A government, a pro-Russian government like a Vichy in France that would eventually bring them into the fold and bam, right. they'd be part of Russia. Right. This is obviously a con- a total war for conquest by the Russians. And no one's yeah. saying that the Ukraine is going to be able to keep independence or any means of independence right. or, or any any type of independence. But where they began this conflict being, you know, obviously four days in, they were going to be conquered. And the fact that they haven't been conquered, I think, is a, a real test of, uh, testimony for the resolve of every ukrainian soldier and citizen yeah, take, taking, taking back over 50 percent of the land that was conquered right at the for this extent of the russian invasion and uh looking at where or what the ukrainian army looked like prior to this yeah and where it is now i mean i i'm not an expert in this but i know just through i mean obviously i'm not a dumb person i sound like it on this podcast but i'm not stupid um, reading what I've read uh, on this conflict and other conflicts, it's really difficult to create a modern military uh, force out of nothing, really. While you're being while invaded. you're being invaded, while you're being attacked, while you got the monkey on your back, yeah. And the fact that they have been able to do this, and because I think where most people, 
most people's ideas are is that all things being equal, Russia and Ukraine were a similar force. It just seems like this in yeah, terms of the narrative. It wasn't. It was not. The Ukrainians were not an equal force to the Russians. They were not even close. I mean, yeah. Russia is an old Cold War state. It has tons of legacy equipment that they have committed to this thing. They have the size of Russia alone, population uh, size, yeah. much greater than that of Ukraine. Um, and the fact that the Ukrainians are still there, <laughs> still fighting, still you know not giving up the goose... I, I I don't know where the narrative comes from that this has been an, unsu- an unsuccessful investment that the U.S. has made. Yeah. Um, or the West, the greater West has made in trying to keep Ukraine a sovereign state. Right. Um, Zach calls me up and and I'll let you take over from here about the 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 Department of Defense uh, uh, declassified assessments. Assessments and information. Were yeah. insane to me. And I'll let you explain that. Yeah. No. So I think... I. Yeah, everything that you just said. And and the issue here is, you know, I think one of the GOP senators, I can't remember if it was, um, it was J.D. Vance, mm-hmm. the freshman senator from uh, Ohio. Uh, he basically made a statement saying that, like, hey, listen, if the counteroffensive's not working, you know, and the idea is we're funding them so they can get back to the 1991 borders, that's never going to happen. And what's the point? What are we sending money there for? Um, one, J.D. Vance uh, is an author uh, of, you know... Hillbilly Elegy. El- yeah, yeah, that. Eulogy, hillbilly Elegy. Hillbilly Eulogy. Eulogy. Sorry about yeah. that, guys. Um, Seriously, 15 hours sleep this I, I don't re- recall a military service or, a, you know, a degree in military strategy or any deep studying of that. Um, I'm glad he's able to get updates, uh, classified updates. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still have to be able to read and suss out information to have some understanding about what you're looking at. So I don't really look at him as somebody who is the authority figure on whether Ukraine's military is going to be successful or not. Nor is, uh, that's why I guess what we're getting to, is nor is that the focus of why you're you're delivering money. Um, yeah, it's, it is, it is a, it is a, the Ukrainian counteroffensive from the summer has culminated. Uh, the Russians now have the initiative. They are assaulting all across the entire front, um, taking a little bit of ground here and there. Some reversals uh, in areas that the Ukrainians had focused on in the counteroffensive. Um, and this is not a, oh, it's a stalemate, so why are we giving money? Uh, the, the stalemate is not what the end result is going to be. There's going to be two results, and there's only going to be two results. Either Ukraine has all their territory back to their 1991 borders, or Ukraine has all of, or Russia has all of Ukraine. Because they're not stopping as long as Putin's in charge until they have all of it. In fact, intelligence came out that their plans for 2024 are to move into, take control of other regions besides the ones they've annexed that they don't fully control, and then annex them as well through, you know, fictitious voting in the region for whatever part they have. They're going to piecemeal take it apart. They're going to piecemeal take all of this. Mm-hmm. And they believe, and we're, the West is signaling right now, specifically America, uh, that, that they believe the West is going to give up and tire of it. We have spent about 6% of our defense budget. We just passed a new NDAA, shockingly, uh, bipartisan 
in yeah, the Senate. Sh- shockingly. Uh, got enough votes in the House, which is a train wreck. Uh, we covered that in our manure, the House and our manure medley, um, which we're releasing today right before we are releasing this. will come in a week. So you'll actually have a episode making it feel like we're actually doing stuff over the holidays. We're not. We're doing it now. We just we just slow rolled the old one that we recorded like about two or three weeks ago. Um, but so, as James was saying earlier, the you know the Department of Defense uh, declassified uh, intel that it had and released this week. Putin, in his drive to just smash up and take. Ukrainian territory by any means possible. And what that means is with the fiercest of the Ukrainian fighting, when he does capture settlements, they don't exist anymore. They're just shells. Every building is destroyed. Everything is laid to waste. Um, Since the start of the war, the Russian professional military that existed prior to the invasion, 87% of its ground forces are gone. Just marinate on that when I say that. 87% of Russia's pre-war ground forces are gone. Dead, killed, destroyed, never coming back. 87%. On top of that, it's pre-war tank stocks. Okay, and Russia was had the biggest tank supply stocks and tanks in the world for their militaries, and very uh, an army that's very heavily dependent on tanks and armor. Sixty-seven percent of their pre-war tanks no longer exist. I mean, if I, I just want you to think about it in this context, if America were to ever get into a war. And we lost 87% of our military population. There would be complete anarchy and riots in the streets. I mean, you couldn't even get, you wouldn't even have to get that close. I mean, we, we barely scratched the surface on percentage of losses of overall losses in Afghanistan and Iraq to uh, the total amount of ground forces we have. And for each one of those families, it was devastating. And, you know, we... You, you have investigations in the withdrawal in Afghanistan for a suicide bomber that killed, you know, close to two dozen, you know, U.S. soldiers in the evacuation. Two dozen. All those lives important. Russia has lost 87%. Right now, you know, estimates of figures of casualty rates by the West are in the low 300,000s. You go off of Ukrainian figures they're approaching 350,000 dead. They know for a fact, looking outside of an officer corps class, that there's been requests for uh, death certificates and you know, uh, the process that goes through in Russia of almost 280,000 people. And those are just the ones that they could track. Um, I just was reading a report today, uh, a media report, that the Russians have lost more <clears throat> officers, generals, and colonels and generals than the U.S. has lost in all wars post-Civil War. 
But it's a bad investment, Zach. But it's a bad investment. Yeah. And 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 as you were saying, Mitt Romney, right? The GOP, Mitt Romney, you know, the greatest adversary when they asked him when he was running against uh, Obama. Bar- Barack Obama, he said the Russians. Russians, right. Okay, that was that was the GOP official position in 2012. Um, yeah, we we don't get to stop. Um, I, I want to give a nod right now, not that they'll ever hear this, but the Kiev Independent is a is a, a newspaper media source in Ukraine, and they have a lot of young talented journalists. Um, they run a. a a podcast that they actually uh, will do videos of these interviews um, like on YouTube and there's some other places where you can find their release and they have them all, all the social media uh, fingers that are out there so people can access them. It's been a great series. I think they're like on episode like close to 40 mm. um, and they did one uh, just not too long ago last week where they talked specifically about um, the West and the U S and the slow rolling of equipment and how that has negatively impacted the war. That we go for the long, Ukraine says we need this, we say no, you actually don't in our assessment. And then six months later, we give it to them, piecemeal, 10 here, 10 there. And, you know, some, and they were talking about some people, some of the younger people in that country questioning whether the US actually wants them to win the war or whether the US just wants them to be, wants them to tie up Russia indefinitely so that it weakens China's ally. And it starts getting into com- some conspiracy theory stuff. But they, they, the, the two people, taught, the moderator and the journalist she's interviewing, don't get into that, but they're just saying, like, these are some of the whispers in the wind that people are talking about, because it makes no sense why, why this is the case. Now, if you have a sense of American political situation, you can answer questions right there, because we don't have a king who can't just whip up all this stuff and just say it's yours, Congress has to sign off on it, and Congress isn't, right? That's our issue right now is the GOP to have a discussion on border security, which is something that when they've been in charge of, they don't ever want to have a discussion about. And when we've tried to, in the past, uh, the moderates have tried to come together and say, okay, let's negotiate on what this looks like and get some concern, zero, zero interest. Now, now there's a ton of interest. Um, I find it interesting, James, that... President Biden, who everybody likes to rip on, everybody likes to talk shit about because it's such easy pickings. Mm-hmm. I've still yet to have a conversation with anybody who's given me a valid reason why this is the way that he is seen uh, or can tell me something negative that he's done uh, or also cannot tell me any of the really effective things that have been passed underneath him. Yet again, has signaled that he's sitting at the table and they're negotiating on giving the Republicans some of what they want on the border and then getting something that they, some of the stuff the Democrats want on the border so that they can get a, some comprehensive, you know, first step to deal with immigration and the situation there on the table and through and funded and then also get Russia. Like I was saying to you the other day, what modern Democrat or, you know, Republican president have we had that would be like, oh, Oh yeah, I'll deal with you. Not Trump. If it wasn't, if he he went all GOP and anything that the Dems wanted, you know, they're communist fucks, and he wasn't going to go beg them for anything. And he had to have he had to have you know his own peeps go up there and talk to him, and be like, you need to do this with the you know with the the checks for the you know for the 
for when the pandemic hit so that people can stay afloat and they'll love you for it. Put your name on them. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah they'll love me. Um, you know, like you, so, so this idea that we can just stop and there's going to be, because it's just going to sit here. No, no, it's sitting here because the weapon supplies are slowing down. The Russians can fire ammunition for days. And in the last like month or so, the Ukrainians are now having to start, you know, rationing how often they fire back. When you have an enemy that does not give a shit how many people they lose. Literally, I watched I watched a video from an FVP drum from the Ukrainian side outside Avdivka. Mm-hmm. And I watched for two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. It just flew over an attack vector. 103 Russian dead bodies. It picked up just strewn out over this open field area. Mm. Listen, man, here's the thing. The way that this war has been adjudicated by the Biden administration up to this point, I thought has been a masterclass. In yes, I agree. Geo, you know, geopolitical and strategic yes. um, uh, happenings. I, I will say this, though. I, I do somewhat understand um, our as in the United States, our, <clears throat> our ability to, to sort of slow walk this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the one thing that people don't talk about when they talk about the Russians, and I know that everyone is quick to dismiss uh, this notion, is that I think there is a serious um, concern in the State Department, in the Department of Defense, in the halls of Congress by, you know, the legitimate actors who actually think about these things is Russia is still a major nuclear power. You're going exactly where I was going to go. Yeah, they're a major nuclear power and, and you do not want to put them in a, in a position where they have to even now start thinking, thinking about along those lines of, you know, strategic nuclear strikes uh, or limited nuclear strikes. You just don't want that conversation to go that way. Yeah. You know, and, and no president, and, and I would say this, I know Putin, we like to, we like to throw around the madman, he's crazy. Any, any, anybody who's willing to lose 300,000, estimated 300,000 of his own troops without questioning the, uh, the goals of the operation, I think, is a madman. Um, and you certainly don't want to see him have to make that decision or put, you know, put a decision tree up going, hey, what do I do here because I'm being boxed in right. by the West. Um, I think they're slow walking this. The other benefit of slow walking it is, you know, hey man, why kick a guy's ass in a day when you can take years to do so and bleed him? I think part of the DOD declassified estimates that you shared with me this week was that their military is degraded to the point that it will not return to pre-invasion levels in, for 15 years. 15 years, yeah. Um, this is what I was talking about. Yeah. Like from the very beginning of this conflict, which is if you can invest material and and again i i I always kind of strike i always have to push back on people thinking that we're just filling adidas bags worth of billions of dollars and sending there's nothing these people want to buy other than guns other than munitions that we can supply supply to them they want the equipment not dollars it's the equipment it's the dollar equivalent equivalency of the equipment that they're looking for right and so when it says, you know, Congress approves another $210 billion package for X, Y, and Z in Ukraine, it's like, 
where you're sitting there going, dude, it's like they're not putting $210 billion in a duffel bag saying, here's Linsky, go spend it as you'd like. Yeah. They are literally sending it in material form. In the value of materials, yeah. Um, and the West is chiming that, in as that well. That we already have, yeah. A lot so, of it sitting in warehouses. And we haven't lost a soldier yet. Nope. So if you could degrade a, a, an enemy that we know Russia is a strategic right. geopolitical, Geostrategic enemy of ours. I mean, mm. how they behave in the Middle East. I mean, I. I mean, if you are a person who looks at the state of Syria, and thinks that what is going on there is absolutely abhorrent, and there's a human, you know, rights crisis. You know, it wasn't that long ago that we all remember that image of that little boy basically washing up on the shores, and he, you know, they, yeah. they're trying to get out of there in boats and yeah. skiffs and just anything that they can actually float on. And kids are dying. And we we all said this is a humanitarian crisis. One of the reasons why you don't have any movement there is that Assad is backed by Russia. Right. And the United States isn't going to move against Russia in Syria because they're entrenched. And this could upset the balance of power in the Middle East, but also in the greater parts of of Eastern Eastern right. Europe. Yep. Um, and if you don't understand that, then just, you know, maybe... And, and listen, I don't understand understand it completely. I'm not saying I'm an expert. But I at least know that. Right. You know, this has all been a the international system is a balance of power. Right. No one is regulating. We have to regulate ourselves at that level. Right. Nation states have to regulate themselves. And I think that if you can if you can degrade a, a an enemy and an enemy's military and its ability to make war on its neighbors, um, I think that's a good thing. And never have to lose a soldier, and you're not trying to convince the Ukrainians to, per, to protect themselves or fight for their own country, they are willing to do it. Yeah. Like, this is a win-win-win situation here. And so why we would withhold any... I mean, granted, I understand why we would withhold it and, you know, don't want to create the paradigm of nuclear, you know, possibly nuclear holocaust. But I think that why, why try to walk back any support right. when you have the Russians... Strategically on the ropes. On the ropes, yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, so kind of to add to what you're saying, um, the the folks at the Kiev Independent actually brought that up, have brought that up at the end of that particular episode I was referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, check that show out because they have some great documentaries on the torture that happened to Ukrainian POWs, uh, some kids uh, that, no. that have been killed um, called Bullet Holes. There's been a whole... Um, or how they celebrate heroes there and all the people that have died. Um, and it is staggering when you see some of these Ukrainian uh, graveyards, um, uh, the flags that just go for rows and rows and rows. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what they said that they think that that is obviously a calculus that the U.S. is putting into play. Kind of the pushback against that, that argument was that, well, it's us. We're the ones that are going to get nuked and we're willing to take that chance because... It's for our survival, where I think they don't see the perspective from the U.S. And I get what they're saying, hundred percent. Oh they, yeah, it's yeah, their lives yeah. Or not. I would push but, back on that. But the, but, the, but the but the U.S. is saying, yeah, but it, it, it's not going to just stop there. No, it would. It, it's it would... going to it's going to go everywhere, and and we have to be responsible in that. And I, I agree. I think yeah. there's. I think that's part of the slow roll. Is I think what the Biden administration is hoping for, and you see this escalation of what Ukraine continues to have access to. Because that actually does matter. It matters that it's slow rolled out because it just becomes the next little thing to happen and it's not as drastic, mm-hmm. right? And so people's reactions are not as emotional, 
right? Oh, they've had AppMax now forever. There's, so, no, there's no G- yeah, yeah, reaction. Yeah, yeah, so whatever. Like, what, what's Nokia? They gave them, the, the West gave them one that goes another 150 kilometers. Yeah, it sucks, but <laughs> they were already hitting shit that, <laughs> you know, was well within our Yeah, our they're allowing anyway, the Russians so. to adapt to the new reality <laughs> right. on the ground, yeah. And, and they're hoping to, over this time, you know, continue to degrade that because conventional wisdom says that although clearly the Russians can continue to do this and are continuing, they cannot continue to do this forever. Since November, they have lost almost a thousand soldiers a day. A day. Like, it is highly possible that we're going to hit 100K dead from November prior to the two-year anniversary of the invasion. If they get to the two-year anniversary of this invasion and this war, and they've lost 400,000 soldiers, and they're only 55,000 soldiers away from that, and there's more than 55 days from right now, December 16th, where we're at, to February 22nd, mm-hmm. right? So, like... uh you, the 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 idea that this is going to stop though or that we can stop if we do stop if we cease to support kiev and its government and the military there that things will eventually fall apart in ukraine because they are going to be outgunned and it's going to turn into a guerrilla warfare and then you are going to see it'll be bloody and ugly but it will eventually capitulate because you have it's you know, we were having this conversation the other day outside of the show about people that you know who are all fired up about being separatists and, mm-hmm. you know, the Armageddon when it shows up and the strong will rule and when the government comes through me, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. They don't understand how outgunned they are. You think because you have 40, you know, assault weapons at home or semi-assault weapons at home and 5,000 rounds of ammo if you're surrounded by somebody that wants to take your compound, 5,000 rounds of ammo ain't going to last you four hours. It ain't. If it's a constant firefight, I mean, what is the one thing that the West learned from this conflict? Ammunition. Holy shit, ammunition. If I'm fighting a foe that is just willing to waste and put everything they have in us, we don't have enough artillery rounds, even for our own stocks. We don't have enough, you know, we don't, and, and the Chinese certainly are a massive military. So if they follow this playbook, we're going to run out of ammo at some point. And it's going to not take more than a month if this conflict is bloody and knocked down drag out. So you have, I mean, and and this was part, you know, this was part of the knock of what some of these guys, you know, were saying. But other points I made is like the manufacturing boom that is occurring in the rust belt in the u.s right now because a lot of these factories are now up online making shells not only for our own stocks but to go over there and help the ukrainians it's created it's created tens of thousands of jobs and given contracts where there was factories that were just creaking and barely getting by you know they're like this is good for america on an economic level and on a geopolitical level we're fighting their number one enemy right now but I think the hard part for Ukrainians is, and we 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 took we talked about that that cartoon, right? I think I shared that with you. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, the trench and the two Ukrainian soldiers in there, and the one guy's reading the newspaper, and the one guy's like, "What are you reading about?" And he's like, Appar- "Apparently, the West is tired of the f- of all the fighting." 
and they're just downtrodden and it's raining in the trench sitting in water yeah and that's how they feel and and, and you have to have a perspective because the natural inclination by people is like hey you would be fucking anywhere if we didn't help you with what we helped you but we're all on the same team here and these people are paying the ultimate price how can we be tired when we're not even fighting and if we're getting tired and we can't even have an ally that's willing to hold the fucking line it reminds me of Boromir in Lord of the Rings when mm. he's pissed off that they don't take the ring. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? He's like, this is a gift. We could use this against our enemies as a weapon. And the elves don't want to do it. The dwarves don't want to do it. You know, Aragorn, all those guys don't want to do it. And he's like, he's like, we're the ones, the, the people of Gondor, the soldiers of Gondor, the men of Gondor, we're the ones that are on the front lines it's by our blood, the blood of my people, that keep your land safe. And it's a great analogy for that situation. They are fighting, and what they call the Russians orcs. They're on, they're next to Mordor, and all of the eye is on Ukraine, and they're dying every day. Even even like in Avdivka, where you have the declassification, and they found out that in a month and a half, the Russians lost thirteen thousand troops attacking the Avdivka pocket. And they said something like, the the um, the the Ukrainian casualties are in the low four digits. So you're talking about basically almost ten to one, but that's still experienced guys that are dying. Mm-hmm. That then you're gonna have to find somebody to replace. Mm-hmm. And you have an issue in Ukraine right now with the leadership of some of the military decisions. Is you know. Are they going to fire their top guy or not and replace him with somebody else? They re- they replaced the defense minister who's replaced other people. And, you know, there's a knock even within Ukraine that was like the U.S. came in and said we should focal, focus all of these units and this material that they got over to us in this one point for a breakthrough. We decided to spread it out and it didn't play out. And did we make a mistake there and not want to do it? But at the same time, they also feel like the West doesn't fully understand the type of fighting that's going on there and how it needs to be fought. But there's a debate there too, even within the Ukrainians of like, do we need somebody with a more forward thinking kind of mindset on how and in streamlining their command structure? I think one of the biggest issues that, and one of the, I think truly um, legitimate criticisms that we can level against the Ukrainians, um, maybe not in, in, in fighting this war, but also just as in terms of their political existence is the long tradition of corruption in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, the fact that there has been people within the Ukrainian ranks that have been known to be double agents and well, that's, all sorts that's of Russia's things. lingering gift. You know right? what I mean? And yeah. yeah, of course from the cold hangout from the cold war, but I can understand someone, um, from the right, from the GOP saying, listen, I'm just not, con- I'm, I'm just not convinced that, that this is going to, do any good i i think the problem is you know in terms of what what are we fighting for what 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 is what is ultimately the goal is to create a ukrainian government that isn't doesn't have the tradition of corruption it can clean itself up can be part of a a member of of the class of nations that 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 are in terms of the eu and 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 they're certainly making moves in that direction they're doing their best listen again during a war (laughs) this is this is during a war it's it's difficult i mean we all know you know it's not like Ukraine hasn't been in the news since Donald Trump took office. Right. 
you know, th this was the quid pro quo phone call, right? right? Zelensky was the guy, right? Right. Uh, we all know, I mean, the two guys from the, the that were trying to get and the Ukrainians hate Donald Trump, by the way. Uh, yeah, uh, listen, I, my thing is this, dude. Um, something that kind of went unreported or underreported in the, the news this week was uh, Vladimir Putin is running for president. <laughs> Of, of Russia. It's a joke, yeah. Uh, and I mean, he, is, but he did his, quote-unquote, annual press conference. I don't know if anybody yeah, this, saw any of that. Oh, my God, this was amazing. But if you think that this guy is going to stop with Ukraine, if right. you think that he's ever going to reassess his position in Ukraine, you are utterly incorrect. Yeah. This guy is balls to the wall, is is committed to this conflict 100%. He, will he does not care how many people he loses because... What he's going to win is greater than anything that he will lose. Right. Um, and if you want to talk about political traditions, there is a very long political tradition of treating the Russian citizens like shit. You know, hey, you know, we can all sit there and say we're all treated like shit. They lost twenty seven. But the Russian shit citizens have been treated like shit for a very long time. Lost twenty seven million people in World War Two, and that's yeah. why they call it the Great Patriotic War to make up for all. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. See, now that's a dance club. Well, right that's, the, that's the BBC. That's, that's the dance club. Okay. Um, no, but continue. But yeah, no. And so if you look at the, if you look at this and you look at what Vladimir Putin, this just week just said about the conflict and you look at his demeanor on it, there is no, these, this guy's not sweating. This guy is not like trying to change his position. It's, he has a political system in place that he doesn't have to worry about the daily polls, the monthly polls. He doesn't have to worry about if people think that he's too, thinks that he's too old or perhaps maybe too insane to to uh, carry out the the office of the presidency. This is a burden of democracies. Democracies have those conversations. Our leaders are anxious as shit for everything they do. They need a poll to tell them if it's okay to tie their shoes he, or wipe their ass. He is banking. So he he has made every miscalculation that he could possibly make. But the one card he has, the one pathway left to victory he has in Ukraine. And this is not hyperbole, is he's looking at these polls that are coming out and what the American political media keeps talking about. And he sees Joe Biden going down to Trump, and that's his victory. If Joe Biden loses, he wins. And I don't think he thinks that Joe Biden can win again. I think he thinks there's too many factors going on. And they got if you read the papers. And, and, and he's got he got his yeah. got, got his people, got his people doing their bot stuff and influencing things like they've been doing since 2016 and i think that like he is like if he's like biden's gonna lose and when he does the u.s is gonna walk away probably not only from ukraine but nato as well because we know that that's something that trump wants to do and even more wants to do now without but without a threat of another term if you will he, right. he's will be he he can do whatever he wants on the international right. stage and so you know I'll bring this full circle before we wrap this section up. It, this is consequences, right? Like, this guy is not going to stop. He will be dead before he stops. They have a long tradition of just wasting lives. Mm -hmm. When they took back Stalingrad, they were literally ferrying soldiers who had zero training that it had just gotten a fresh uniform put on their back. Ferried them across the river if they even made it that far. One guy got a gun, the other guy got a extra round of bullets for it. And it, the idea was, well, where's my weapon? Well, there'll be weapons. Trust when he me. dies, you pick up, you pick up his weapon. 
And if the other guy dies, you pick up his ammunition. Yeah. Yeah. And and they just ran people through the fucking meat grinder. It's a tradition. And, it is a, and, it, is a, and, a yeah. it is a way of it is a Russian methodology. Yeah. Well. And and the people the people in general are behind that. You know, especially, you know, the more working class, uneducated people who you know, people come from their ancestors were serfs and this is just how you're treated and you do it for, you know, mother and country, mother Russia. It's you know, well, this is the it's it's this more is the it's, nightmare scenario for it, the rise yeah, of nationalism. Yeah, yeah, it's more it's more complex than that. The, mm-hmm. the Russian culture is more complex than that. There are different socioeconomic classes there, and there are definitely an, an educated academic class that does not agree with that and is as abhorrent. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is when you did this nationally televised take the questions, somebody was not doing their due diligence on the questions that were coming up on the little screen because there was questions about the rapid inflation from the sanctions. Why does it cost me this much money for mushrooms and blah, blah, blah? Why are you so out of touch with how the rest of us are? I mean, there's some embarrassing shit on there. And I'm sure somebody got executed behind the building for not, you know, not stopping that from going through. And for for all the people, like, and and we mentioned, I think this is probably the most we've ever mentioned Oliver Stone in this podcast. Wind. but he was recently on Bill Maher's podcast and he was talking about how the West has gotten Putin completely wrong. You also have a guy, was a John Mersheimer or whatever, who is going on a lot of podcasts right now. He's doing the circuit about how the United States is the, what created the environment, which created this conflict. Oh, yeah, let's talk about this. Um, the, I mean, first and foremost, it, it, it bothers me. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is that Yes, there's a lot of hyperbole that is in the Western media sphere. There is a lot of bullshit that gets pushed out as truth. And it's unfortunate that we have to be adults and we have to try to educate ourselves to suss through the bullshit and the fact and determine for ourselves what, how we're going to navigate a particular ideology or a particular issue and what we believe on this issue. And if you're true to yourself and hold your own conscience, then you're going to be able to probably make your own way. You'll make some mistakes along the way. But this, this, this radical idea that somehow everyone in the West has gotten Putin incorrect and that somehow because we fucked Russia over at the, at the fall of the, the Soviet Empire that you know, we said we wouldn't uh, necessarily you know, push NATO further east. And the fact that you know, Putin read the tea leaves and saw us pushing all these, you know, all these NATO on everybody and the EU, now an EU, an economic you know conglomerate now can actually come in there and actually t- take some of his, his 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 sphere of influence away from him, and how we misread his 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 desire for peace, which nothing in Putin's dossier really, in my opinion, his early days, really reeked of peace. In fact, I mean, you don't, and this is one thing I don't understand about academics and Oliver Stone these days is that you don't turn off nearly 70 years of Cold War ideology. You don't turn it off overnight. There is not a treaty. There is not a... uh, There is no quick fix of changing mindsets of how we thought of Russia, Russians, or the Russian system or tradition. The fact that there was still this, let's wait and see on Putin, you know, I think was... And really it was under the Clinton administration that was more of a wait and see even yeah. though that they did push more east in terms of NATO. Um, but what I don't understand, like, say, a, a man who is as brilliant as John Mersheimer is, and he is a brilliant academic, and he, his assessments are great, and his data points are good. But what I don't understand is why, why would 
us pushing NATO further east cause Russia to attack Ukraine, right? Because you hear this all the time. You wouldn't want bombs or, you know, somebody on uh, bombs or mili- uh, an opposition military on your front door or on your back door or any other door. And I think that's just old timey bullshit. Yeah. Like we talked about it this week. We don't we don't need Ukraine. Like our our missile capabilities of getting nuclear weapons into Russia have been pretty solid since 1970 something. 1960 probably they've been fairly solid. Right. Our military technology has gotten incredibly incredibly sophisticated. We don't need to put in fact I don't think we would even strategically put nukes in Ukraine. Not because it's a not only a corrupt nation that has a long tradition of corruption. But it's also right there on the border that could be easily, I don't know, maybe defeated in four days, according to our own assessments. Why would we put nukes there? Right. The fact of the matter is, if, if, that, if John Mersheimer is, is, fact, is, is, is factually true, and we did cause this war by pushing NATO further east, then what does that say about Russia? They got pissed off because we took their, their lands? We didn't take anything. We entered into an agreement with a sovereign state. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is Russia is pissed... Because they believe this is their sphere of influence. They're given the God-given right to actually influence these Eastern Bloc nations. Dominate those And places. that we should not be involving ourselves in this, in this region because of the we're world. we're strong enough to stop them. And, the, and, and so I'm sorry. I, the logic just doesn't hold, Mersheimer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the... Because if we, didn't, if we didn't do this, then they would have already been in these countries. Yeah, Corn- Cornell West, the progressive far left... Mersheimer, these guys you're talking about, like this goes to the the far extremes, right? This is both MAGA and you know the MAGA MAGA you know Nazi right, and the far far left progressives. Um, this idea that that we're imperialistic and oppressive, and this is why this war is America's fault and Joe Biden's fault, is absolutely fucking absurd. And you can derail that argument in in a hot minute. And and it, it goes something like this. If if you are it's like it's like the GOP in some of these states here, so terrified that kids, teens are gonna read books in school or in city libraries that are inclusive or teach diversity or teach history where everybody had a role and was a hero, as opposed to whitewashing it or trying to say the slaves benefited from slavery or slavery wasn't that bad. You know, like, I'm sorry, it was. And then we had to fight a civil war to get rid of it. And then it didn't really get rid of it in a lot of areas because there was Jim Crow and segregation. And I know people that come over to visit my parents that were alive during that time. And just, and if you're still thinking, well, it's changed now, Alabama, the state of Alabama just got slapped and smacked down by the Supreme Court of the United States of America. That was like, yeah, you're trying to put all the black people in your state into one district. You broke some rules. There's going to have to be at least two. Still trying to diminish the voice and the political will of this group of people. And you want to ban and burn books and you're about freedom What are you so fucking afraid of? You're afraid that people could educate themselves, have a different opinion than you, and then make choices that you don't want them to make. And this is what I have to say. If that's what you stand on, if that's your philosophy, and you can't win the majority of elections with the popular vote, 
The answer isn't to then burn and ban books, control what's being taught in school so it only reflects your narrative. The answer at that point is maybe you need to change your position or you're going to be a dead party with a dead position that most people aren't going to vote for in a democracy. That means you're That's screwed. how it's supposed to work. That's how it works. You're supposed to compete. Yeah, you're supposed to compete. And if you can't compete with yeah. what you got, yeah. you got to go change what you yeah. got. It's the reason why corporate America is no longer just filled with old stuffy white guys who give their dumbass son a job because that ain't flying on the world market anymore in an international global community when people of all different shapes, sizes, colors, and genders have intelligence and the companies that want to dominate and rise to the top and have a two, three trillion dollar cap value are going to take anybody who's fucking talented that's going to make them that much better because they don't give a fuck what they look like or who they fuck behind closed doors. So you can't just have it be the good old boys anymore because you ain't going to fly. You just aren't going to compete with the talent that people are pulling from all over the place. So I'm going to correlate this back over to Russia. When you sit there and say that America started this war because NATO, we expanded NATO. No, the Poles, every one of those Eastern Bloc countries, former Eastern Bloc countries, asked to join NATO. So when you say that, what you're really saying is the Poles don't have a right to choose their own path forward. They don't have a right to look to the West and say, we did the whole Russia sphere thing. We were forced to do it. And look at us. We're fucking by Germany had a front row seat. They were unified and the people in the East were like fucking two decades behind the people in the West in terms of economy, education, just general like architectural flow, resources, resources yeah. everything. It took that country a long time to pull itself together to unify its people, even in thought process and mind. Which they still sometimes They still with. don't. Yeah, it's still A lot is of there the that, national front they, is yeah, out Yeah, yeah in the East, it's yeah. that divergent part. But, but they did it, and they rose to the top. And everybody who can see it that's in that region keeps looking and going, well, the places where... I'm looking that are the most successful and have the most boisterous economies are that way. And all this is is authoritarian people moving militaries and then taking places over or committing coups in modern times in the Caucasus. Asymmetrical warfare. Yeah, so they are making the choice. So you're going to sit there and say, oh, no, sorry, we have all this good stuff. You can't come because those guys over there, they own you. I mean, I'm glad you're asking. It's nice, but sorry, they own you. So you're either going to fly by yourself or you can go shack up with them. But we made a deal. I'm sorry. There's nothing more imperialistic and authoritarian and kings and gods than that shit right there. Well, there was one time that Putin even said that there was a chance that Russia would be in NATO. Now, and this, when there was an opportunity yeah, yeah, when he I, saw an economic I, I, opportunity. And, and, I, and I'm getting there. I'm yeah. getting there. So Ukraine decides... They run an election in 2013. There's a part of this election is, do they want to stick with the Russian sphere of economic influence or do they want to go to the EU? And it overwhelmingly passes they want to go to the EU. And their president at the time, who was a puppet of Putin, goes, great, perfect. And at the 11th hour, <laughs> signs a deal with Putin that everybody sees on TV as a news, as a breaking news thing is like, wait, what the fuck? And then the Maidan starts slowly. And the response is, I'm going to start shooting and killing people and beating people and making people disappear for 
But getting that was together, our fault. The Ma- together, Maidan yeah. was no, put together no, by, by yeah. American no, intelligence. It was wasn't put it? together by Ukrainian youth and middle-aged Americans. Or middle, middle-aged Americans. Sorry, my bad. Middle-aged Ukrainians that literally just wanted a better life and a shot at their own determining their own destiny, and they died for it over like ninety fucking days. And they run this guy out of town. He actually he decides to leave on his own. Does he go to Russia? Then, yeah, he goes to Russia. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, what a shocker, right? Flees straight over to Pooty Poots. And then the elections start. Poroshenko comes in, right? He's got a lot of corruption. He's an oligarch himself. Doesn't work out for them, right? But then you have you have Putin who realized at this point, fuck, I'm screwed. They just got rid of my puppet. Now these people are determined what they're gonna do. I gotta take Crimea. I'm gonna start this shit in the East. I mean, it doesn't even take a year before he does this shit. And that's when the conflict starts. You have just two days ago. If you can't monkey fuck it, he's going to take yeah, it by force. Yeah. You, th- this guy's not letting people have the way they want to go. So please don't talk to us about how this is about, you know, America's fault. Ukraine and Ukrainians get to decide what they want. And the fact that all these countries, Finland, after watching what Russia does to Ukraine... Who was like, we're going to be neutral forever and run this line. Now in NATO. Sweden too. This guy and what he's doing made two neutral countries Swiss. that have not been in any Sw- fucking yeah, wars. Sweden is famously neutral. Yeah. They, they, they stayed out of fucking World War II. Not behind the scenes in terms of economics and what they allowed to happen to save their own people. But militarily, they decided they want to go to NATO. That's those countries saying we need to protect ourselves. Okay. So whether it's the EU or it's NATO, these countries, regardless of where they're at, they have the right. And to what James just said, if you think that it's all poor pooty poot, look and read about what Gorbachev said when he died. Look at what Yeltsin said. Both of them talked about how this guy was a fucking wolf in sheep's clothing. He was supposed to be the young guy that was going to take over for Yeltsin and get Russia unified with the West so that all of Europe was unified. The EU, the possibility of joining NATO, and having peace in their time where everybody was going to benefit. But that motherfucker, if you read anything about him, wanted nothing but vengeance. Because when the, when, when the Soviet Union fell, he was sitting in his office in Berlin Calling Moscow. No one picked up. What the fuck do I do to stop this? Yeah. Just give me what an order. Orders? Yeah, give me an order. I'll go out there and start fucking shooting people on the line. And nobody picked up the goddamn phone. Mm-hmm. And he never fucking forgave it. And his whole thing with Russia and the authoritarianism is, I will rise to the top and run it the way that it should have been. And we will take back everything that we fucking lost to the West. And what did he lose to the West? It was a bunch of fucking countries who did not want the yoke of their oppression on them anymore. Mm-hmm. If you believe in freedom, if you believe that, oh, all these countries have the right to not be dominated, then your argument in that situation with America and Russia and Ukraine and the East is so fucking much of a fallacy, it's not even funny. You can't even stand on your own two feet. And this dude got the power, pulled the bait and switch, and just flipped it. Mm-hmm. And now here we're at because he is trying to get back everything that they lost, but they lost it because of the way they ran it, and because the people that they were controlling they offered, didn't offer them anything. They didn't no, offer them no what the West could offer. And granted, you know if if he would have if he would have handled 
the internal aspect of Russia correctly, not correctly, I don't who might say it correctly, but differently. If he would have brought in more investment other than the natural gas investment, other than, than uh, the, uh, was it the liquid natural gas market, in which they pretty much control. If he would have diversified his economy, if he, if he would have, if there's a lot of things he could have and would have done. And yeah. what really, I think, derailed him was the Chechnya war on, you know, war on Muslim, no, no, sorry, yeah. war on uh, terror. He saw an opportunity to grab power and he took it. So, but so, I don't, I, but uh, yeah, I'll go on. Yeah, yeah. And I was just going to say the Poles, the, the Eastern Germans, mm-hmm. the Czechs, the Slovaks, the Bulgarians, the Romanians, all the different groups in Yugoslavia, the Baltic states, they all remembered what it was like before Soviet rule came to dominate them. Mm-hmm. They had cultures where they didn't live that way. The Russian people never did. They've always been in that culture. And if it wasn't the Soviets and the communists, it was the king. It was the czars. Yeah. It was the czars. The czars treated and they the ran, And like they, they ran it the same way. Yeah. So, that, it was the so, monarchies. So that's why yeah. when all those revolts broke, broke that happened and it all broke apart, there was no revolt in Russia against its own people because they're like, what the, what the fuck? Is that all? There's things? no tradition. Yeah. You, as far as you could go back and the answers you could remember lived like this. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. They always this got is, shit on. This is just life. Yeah. This is life for most of us. So, you know, fucking consequences, man. Yeah. Consequences. When you treat other nationalities like that and you rule with an iron, th- iron fist. No one's going to freely choose you. Yeah. They're going to choose to go where they at least have a fucking choice. Yeah. You know, and they did. But blaming America because they offered something better, and not just us, but well, the I mean, Western if European compete, countries. If we're competing for, for hearts and minds, uh, I'm sorry, if that's an open competition on the international system, this is what I understand. It's it, Nothing is preordained in the international no. system. If we're competing and we and we truly believe in the ideology of self-determination and they choose us... Even if even if it's a contract, even if it's a almost a, almost a sales job, like hey man, come over here, yeah, come here, I got something to sell you, yeah. And even if they, even if they, capitalism, baby, it's, free that's, market. That's what we do. We we sell them on we sell them on 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 good deals, cheap goods, all that all that shit. And if Russia didn't have another sales job, or they didn't have their own sales pitch, then that's not our fault. That's Russia's fault because this is the international system, and there's no regulation to it. Yeah, and 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 check this out. And if you need any, you need a different variation of where this went. When America was the dominant power in NATO, but eventually through the eighties and into the nineties, the European countries were like, oh, "We have this Western European American style of capitalism, and this is important on the global scene." But you know, there's things that we disagree with about how the Americans do business and how they have things set up, and we want to do it a little bit different. And the EU became a powerhouse. America didn't go, wait, what the fuck? We brought you in. We're going to invade France. Here comes the military. Yeah. We're taking all these places over. We already have yeah. all these bases. Eliminate all these governments yeah. and bring them in. There's not going to be an EU. You're not, you're not no. going to, you're not going to, we were like, all right, well, let you set it up and then let's talk about trade and how we're going to work this out. Well, it's competition. Yeah. I mean, competition. I mean, even though we can look to our own economy and part and parcel of why our, our own economy not now, but in general, the, the superstructures um, goes through these ups and downs, these booms and busts is because of, let's be honest, a lack of competition in our system. I mean, 
we all don't it's not that far away that we remember the great was it uh was it 2022 or 23 the great uh baby formula shortage right. <laughs> where yeah. we find out there's only really three companies that make it in the yeah. united states it's like you're fucking and, kidding and me one functioning factory yeah. at that point <laughs> yeah <laughs> most of them had salmonella because like <laughs> that's oh dude that's what i say there's one functioning we factory we don't need we don't need to look upon these guys. It would be stupid economically for them to have salmonella outbreaks in their things. They'll be cleaning it. Well, not if uh, I can save some dollars. That's, that's where all the cuts of regulations you know, exactly. from the Trump administration came to so, roost, right? All I'm trying to say is like, you know, a steady, a steady competition is good. It's good for every, it's healthy and it's good for every economy. Uh, it's, it's up to us to compete. I think we have competed. I think a lot of, a lot of what we're having, a lot of the problems that we are having is the lack of competition. Ukraine that we automatically think that this is owed to us. Ukraine is its own people. They desperately want to be free and they desperately want to choose where their future lies. True. They have the right to choose that and they have come to us and said please help. If we do not continue to help them, the resources of war will dry up. And they will eventually lose because they are fighting a foe that has so much more stockpiles of weapons, even if they're old, and so many more people that they're willing to slaughter to do it. And if you think when that's done that Russia is going to stop at Ukraine, you are not listening to what the Russians are saying. Watch their Russia One media television talking about how Lisbon is a Russian city, actually, and Paris is a Russian city, and that... They should be marching into Berlin and Warsaw needs to fall. We're, it's not hyperbole. Watch them and what they are talking about. These guys are the mouthpiece for this regime. And all of it is the Baltic states are ours. Poland is ours. It's historically Russian. He sounds a lot like fucking a guy with a tiny little mustache who used to talk about how all these places were historically German. And much like that guy with the little mustache, he doesn't really give a fuck about his own people. It's all about power and going out with this legacy of bringing back this empire that he was brought up under and was a true believer in mm-hmm. to the stature. If he can do that, then he has he has been Peter the fucking Great, part two. He's remade the Russian he's made, Empire. Yeah. He's remade the Russian Empire. Mm-hmm. All right. That was a very at-length uh, Ukrainian update, but it was very uh, it was like one of the best bits we've done on that and goes with the inconsequential conversation on consequences because there are, and they are going to continue to be. But Ukraine as a thorn in Putin's side is a direct result of Soviet-era consequences. And sitting there and trying to blame this, this idea in progressive academia that because we are an empire or imperial or post-imperial empire status, that we are responsible for every asshole or evil player in the field is just fucking absurd. Like, everybody else is just a good guy. and we're the, I mean, it just... Have we done shit? Of course. Do we have blood on our hands? Hell yeah, we do. But as we said before, every fucking culture, country, group of people, if you want to go back go back you will find blood all over their fucking hands it's the one thing about the humankind is we treat each other like shit throughout the entire entirety of our history okay we will come back and we will be talking about consequences domestically um 
and you know the idea like we talked about of wokeism consequences some people that have power uh, some people in politics uh, some people that have the pulpit in uh in, in podcasts and what you know the, mm-hmm. the, what they have you you alluded to that a little bit anyway we'll catch you guys real soon Welcome back to the Moderate Majority Season 2, Episode 20, our final finale, Mr. Oh, J.C. Green, inconsequential conversation on consequences, <laughs> brought to you by this fine gentleman sitting across me. That's, I think it's fucking one of our best name all year. I mean, we, so? we at least with the cherry on top of the end of the season came out with a baller name. Yeah, I guess. It's going to be the only good part of this shit. I guess. That's the only thing that really gives me joy about, about doing this. Yeah, yeah, you get to come give, up with wordplay. Yeah, I guess coming up with uh, titles of the of the, <laughs> of the episodes, because I suck at talking. So <laughs> You can tell how much effort we put into the... Nobody's been able to listen to the one we put out before, but we call it Manure Medley. It just like... It like <laughs> yeah, it, I think you named that one. Yeah, though. yeah. It, it spoke to the attitude yeah. we were feeling. We're yeah. like, oh, this A lot of this is just like... Wade into the shit. What are we doing here? Yeah. We're, we, we should probably give a nod to the few of these um, that we're going to try to get back to the format where we do some research, really do deep dives yeah. into it. And maybe not all the time. I think no. deep dives should be something that we... Because you have to understand, man, deep dives... Take we, a lot of time. We do a lot of research. <clears throat> Correction. Zach does a lot of research. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> my, 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 bu- my buddy who's enjoying our first season and, and you know, has been... It's sparked a lot of conversation with us. Like... He's gonna be so fucking disappointed when he gets to season two. He's gonna be like, "This has become a, this has become a fucking opinion show, man." And I'm gonna be like, yeah. it, "It kind of did." Yeah. I'm not gonna well, it lie. Speaks, it speaks of it's the went where it went. It really speaks of the year that we've had, yeah. and the fact that we haven't been able to spend a lot of time in this and and things have taken. And, and granted, it's, it's our it's the our mid- labor the, of love. We should have. Yeah, let's not lie. The midterms broke us, man. They fucking uh, yeah. broke us emotionally. Yeah. Broke us mentally. Um, and and. And look at look at what we've had to deal with ever since then, and how everything has fucking slowed down, and hardly anything's gotten done. Yeah, you look at where the first two years were and what what got passed. Anyway, I mean, cons- I mean, I'd say consequ- consequences, consequences yeah. right? Consequences. So I'm gonna kick it back over to you because I talked a lot at the end of the last segment with Ukraine. I think we did a good. That it was our longest Ukraine update. Probably the most I've ever spoke on a Ukraine update. Yeah, usually I, mean, I don't keep up on a lot of stuff. But and we did like an hour. Yeah. We, we were down the last yeah. seconds right yeah. there. So there was a lot to talk about, and we kind of wanted to... I think I think that was probably outside of when we did the whole special on Ukraine. When it, yeah, you know, the, initial, the initial thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah God, I fucking saying. love the club. We're in the club. Yeah. It's either the breeze across mm-hmm. the temple mm-hmm. and, yeah, mm-hmm. or the club. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to kick it over to you What's to kind of get it going. Sure. I'm just... Because consequences in general, wokeism, you know, the how the far right has tried to weaponize that and been fairly successful in winning some elections off of that, but actually turning some things to law that I don't think people realize what that meant. Leaving the law out of it. Let's yeah. look at go, the go, society. Let's look, let's look at it from multiple ang- angles here. From Run with society, it, my man. I think wokeism has, you even have old school liberals who are getting probably a little bit pissed off at wokeism when it comes to 
the societal sort of cultural changes that you're seeing. You know, like, I can't say what I want to say. Like, I can't tell this off-color joke at work anymore. Right. I can't say... And I'm not saying old-school liberals that they want to tell these jokes or anything, but I think we've all been... I, I, we, I think we all have at some point in the last probably good five, maybe six, seven years, I wouldn't say ten years, but especially the last five years, have been reminded that some of the things that we say are not necessarily acceptable anymore. Uh, yeah, I'm reminded by you most of the time on this show where you're like, oh, Zach, you can't say that Zach, anymore. you're not allowed you're to say not, yeah, like, I think you did it at the beginning yeah. of this show. <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah. You were like, yeah. But, but yeah, no, like, wokeism where I have an issue, and I'm, I'm going to throw it right back over to you, but like, wokeism, if I'm going to allow that to have legs um, in terms of like, I guess, what it means now to a lot of people, I... I I don't have a problem with a lot of things. I think it, it it's meant to be a scare tactic, but like, I guess where I would be like, yeah, this irritates me is like with the Hamas Israel thing. Sure. Like you have all these, these young people that think they're woke and like four out of 10 think that the Holocaust or was either exaggerated or it didn't happen. And Hamas right. are these loving, amazing, poor little freedom, freedom fighter, yeah. nice people that are just fighting for their survival when they are fucking bloodthirsty terrorists that would slaughter all of these people if they had the chance to put them on a videotape and behead them if they thought they could get money or something that they needed for it. Sure. So or it's or like, purport to want an illiberal society. Right. Uh, which yeah. is like not uh, friendly to yeah, the LGBTQ. Yeah, they run an authoritarian society um, of yeah. their own people. And this is where a lot of like, you know, the criticisms of wokeism. And like, listen, okay, let's, let's start with wokeism uh, because a lot of people think that that is a means by which people are held accountable these days. <laughs> I don't know what wokeism is. I, I mean, no. I, I don't think it's ever been really clearly defined. And unfortunately, this is what is maddening for people who are, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm up to date and hip and young with the kids, but I, I certainly try to pay attention and, and have conversations with people who are of all walks of life and also do a lot of reading, which is a lost, uh, you know, exercise. lost art form. Yeah. Um, I've never really come across a, a definition, like a true definition. I'm sure somebody can sit me down and say, listen, you fat fuck, this is what it is. <laughs> um, but a definition that is workable and pragmatic in society. Mm. Um, it's other than what we have always kind of defined it here as consequences to your actions in a changing world. Uh, you, you alluded to it in our, in our previous segment that the world has changed where it's not just going to be, you know, old white dudes are at the, you know, the top of the hierarchy right. it's not going to be a rate of any particular race we're trying to create a true melting pot of a hierarchy right. if we're even trying to create a hierarchy at all which right. i would argue would probably not work uh just because i don't know what the alternative looks like i'd have to see right. it before i'd say yeah let's get rid of hierarchies you know right. um because this, everything in our in our society is built on a hierarchy whether right. it be a hierarchy of meritocracy which are far and few in between right or whether it be just built on a hierarchy for pragmatic reasons, like, you know, you have to have somebody at the top making certain decisions and everything flows from there or organically up and the top is making decisions for obviously right. the masses. Um, okay. Wokeism. What is it? Don't know. Um, and I think when we talk about consequences, I think we need to delineate that we are not talking about wokeism here. Right. Like, I don't think it's a complete and utter conversation of being woke or, or be or operating with an ideological like bent towards wokeism it when we talk about consequences and it's sad that we have to do this because we're gonna it's like i feel like we're sitting everybody down and dare i say mansplaining uh, and by not mansplaining that was a terrible joke and nobody laughed 
I laughed. Um, I, 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 no, 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 no. I quietly nodded my head and gave that coy look in my eye. Consequences are something that you probably should have learned a long time ago. A long time ago. In my, opi- <sighs> in my opinion, consequences are something that is truly lacking in our society. And I think where a lot of the anger comes from within our political system, our legal system, even our economic system, is the lack of consequences. Yeah. Um, if you go back to, say, the Great Recession and you start looking at the rise of the Tea Party... And you start looking at like you know people wanting to hold you know banks accountable, and then with uh, insurgents of something like billions, fifty billion dollars from the Koch brothers, the be- people being pissed off at banks gets morphed into people being pissed off at the government for allowing the banks to do what they did. Yeah. And it seemed to me that a lot of people wanted more people held accountable. And consequences to be a, a, a thing that we needed to talk about during, say, the Great Recession, <clears throat> which I think is really when this started getting a little bit more dysfunctional. This conversation of who should be held accountable for what reasons should be they held, should they, should they be held accountable, and what are the acceptable consequences to their abhorrent actions, whether it be a bank mishandling funds, or somebody saying an off-color joke at work, or someone you know holding an ideological belief that you don't believe in. Um, you know, what are, what, are, what, should, what are the appropriate consequences, right? So when we're talking about holding people accountable within our society, because I, I think it, we need to break it down from society to government. Yeah. Um, because we're talking about individual accountability. Right. And I think that's what you mean by, by it's always been around. You know, you're, you're, you're in a room full of people. Chances are saying whatever you want to say, doing whatever you want to do isn't going to fly. Right. And that's where we've always been held accountable. We've always held each other accountable. Right. And that's that's where it gets morphed into a if you put it if you overlap that onto a political like ideology or let's say the political spectrum, the idea is that the left is holding people accountable for X amount of things or, you know, reasons, and you have the right who are wanting to hold people accountable for these reasons. Right. And it goes back to what I kind of told you a long time or this week offline was we can't agree on what our consequences should be or what our infractions are anymore, right. right? We just can't. I mean, if you look at the right, you're talking about being a transgender human being is something that that needs to have consequences. You're not, you, you can't donate your time to storytelling. You can't have books written about you. If right. you're part of the LBGTQ larger community, you should not. You should be pretty much be erased from existence, uh, or you shouldn't be talked about, um, or or any of those things, right? right. And on the left. Um, we talk about if you say the wrong thing, if you if you're not necessarily your bona fides of of holding the progressive line isn't up to snuff, then you really shouldn't be a part of the conversation. Well, or like right, like Israel is killing all these innocent people in their war to take out Hamas. Therefore, that's the only thing you can talk about and all of its ills, and you cannot make any statements to the fact that. Hamas fighters raped Israeli women and shot agree, and killed them. Agreed. That's, like, a, like, that's a concrete I, 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 example. I, 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 I was just trying to do yeah. a general. No, no, I'm just saying, yeah. and, I take, and I go back to, yeah. like, and this is the left's issue, just to give it an example to the people listening. Watch Dana Bash on CNN interview Jalal Paul, who's the head of the the progressive caucus. And she, and she got censured, wasn't, wasn't she? With, with, censured, yeah. within, within the Democratic Party mm-hmm. and has a very small wing amongst all Democrats. And... Dana Bash is like, but why are you also not talking about 
the other side. Vi- yeah, violence against women and sexual violence. Oh, I find it abhorrent, but she goes, but you keep, I'm talking about it right now. But. And you keep wanting to say butter, redra- and she held her to the fire. And she, and she got she got mad and angry. I was like, I do, Odie. What do you want me to say? She goes, I want you to say it, but like, can we talk about it too? And not just yeah. give it back. Like, it's not, like, I can't imagine that that's not something that eats at you, that you're not wanting to get five, 10 minutes of airtime to address. You mm-hmm. know, if you are somebody who is for strong women and women's health care and all these other things that, progressives hold dear mm-hmm. but then we want to sweep this under the rug and talk about these other things but this is a big fucking thing that's going on over there too and it was like the same thing that we talked about in our episode people when they take a wing position have an inability to want to even address the other side because then it doesn't and then it takes them out of their bona fides mm-hmm. of what we're supposed to talk about or talk against and you just highlighted that so well the right wants to you know wants to cancel this and these things and the far left wants to cancel you know this and these things i should say the far right and the far left because people in the middle typically don't want any of those things done people moderate yeah i don't see adam kinzinger walking around or even liz cheney who's a very staunch ideological republican talking about banning books or burning down libraries or shutting them down there's a lot of us i think we are the majority of the country we just don't get any play because first off we're not going to get a lot of clicks we're boring right like, we want our politics more. Just hit what this is all about. Right. We want our politics. Sorry. We want, we I want release you back to your thoughts. Sorry right. No, but I mean, there, there, is, there is more of us, I think, that are willing to put up with. Listen, there's a lot of things that I'm willing to put up with. Like, if there's a lot of bad ideas. There's a lot of bad words or bad things being said or that I'm willing to put up with. What I'm, I think, I think what we need to delineate, what we need to delineate is the idea that we ought not to be a liberal in our pursuit of creating a better society. That banning people or canceling, quote unquote, canceling people, making them go away, isn't isn't necessarily the goal for any movement trying to make a better society. Consequences should be, or oftentimes are not, but should be uh, a means of reminding someone that your behavior is unacceptable, your language is unacceptable, but to, but, if your idea of consequences is to get rid of people and put them out into pasture, they can no longer exile them into some weird quasi you're part of society because you're going to go to the same store as I am, but you're not going to be a part of society because we no longer, we no longer want you. That seems to me to me to be unworkable. What we need to do is have a better understanding of what consequences are, what the actions that lead to consequences are. And what I'm trying to say in my little, you know, roundabout way is I don't think you're going to get a good sense of what we're talking about in consequences by looking at the far right and the far left. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's a challenge when you try and look at it from a moderate kind of middle of the road perspective, because everything you just said, you know, trying to cancel somebody on purpose, it gets lumped into these uh, statements that people make to try to defend. Oh, you're just trying to cancel me. Well, it's like anything that we talk about, if you're going to talk about this conversation and look at these things, there's got to be nuance because right. There's two things that go into that whole cancel culture, wokeness. Um, I, I'm doxing somebody, mm. you know, by videotaping them. These and are all terms this, I need to look up. Actually. Right. Like, mm. yeah. And how they fit with consequences. And I'm going to try and kind of, since you threw that out there, mm. push us forward by kind of running a middle of the road. Right. There are consequences for your actions. That is true. There are also people who are concerned that the runaway elevated open platform, the people who choose not to give a shit about certain standards with social media, 
Mm -hmm. They create this giant microphone for people that are talking about things that are just not true. Mm -hmm. Conspiracy theory and then mobilizing the masses of people that get to hear them and then think this is real. To do real harm is dangerous. So there's that spectrum of what we're looking at, right? Like, for instance, you go in for, you know, a job interview. My dad used to say to me before I'd go, when I when I had him earlier, when I was, you know, out of high school, early in college, hey, man, good luck. Go put your best foot forward. Mm -hmm. Present your best self. That's <clears throat> what you're doing. When you go present yourself to a business, they don't know everything about you. No. They don't know who you are. That's why I don't have a social media, because businesses started to look at people's Facebooks to see what they're doing and who they might really be that they're not going to get presented in those in those interviews. And you've made all that shit public. So they're allowed to go look at that and they can take that and apply it to whether you get a job. Almost everybody does this now. They do background checks to see if you're a criminal and background checks to see what you're all about outside of you know what you're at. So so when they hire you, if they haven't found anything, great. You are acceptable to brand and a part of the cog in the machine that's going to help this brand expand. If you go out and you decide, you know, because your college friend is like, dude, what's going on in Palestine is, is some bullshit. You know, the Israelis are just fucking Gestapo-esque on this. And, and I heard, man, that October 7th was an inside job. There ain't even any of these hostages. It's all fake it's propaganda to make this excuse to wipe the Palestinians out. I'm going to go out tonight and pull some of these posts, these propaganda fucking bullshit posters of these allegedly missing people off these uh, whatever we can find on storefronts and telephone right. poles. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, I'll roll with you. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about it. You're getting all fired up about the situation. Get out there. You're in front of a coffee shop. And lo and behold, a couple of people sitting out there that happen to be Jewish see you doing this. And they pull their phones out start recording. And they're like, you know, why, hey, well, dude, put that back. Why are you doing that, man? That's a big, those are innocent people. Like, why are you ripping that down? And all of a sudden you find yourself sitting there going, it's bullshit, man. It's all fucking propaganda. Right. And then they're coming at you <clears> all <throat> hard. And all of a sudden you see that light, you know, you're on video and mm -hmm. you're like, you know, fuck you, man. The Nazis should have finished you fucks off in, 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 yeah. in 39. Mm -hmm. Right there in that moment, you were like, you're videotaping me and I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I'm going to I'm going to come at you and you can you can record it. At that point you've given your consent by running your fucking mouth knowing you're being videotaped mm -hmm. that it's probably going to end up on internet land. And guess what? That awesome fucking job you have in finance over, over at Wall Street gone. Yeah. is gone. Because yeah. because the moment that your employer finds out that you are all over the internet and they're like, "Oh, docs, this is Zach Lorenz, and he works for, you know, Charles Schwab, and he's their finance exec for sales for this part right here, specifically for, you know, uh, pensions for the teachers union across mm -hmm. New York City. And this is what he has to say. Fucking Adolf Hitler should have fucking finished you guys off in 1939. I just opened my mouth and revealed something about an opinion I have that is very ugly. Mm -hmm. Now... I'm attached to my company. Mm -hmm. I've been attached. I opened my mouth. I've been attached by these other people to my company for opening my mouth and not being afraid to say that on film. So now my company, Charles Schwab, has to be like, do we want our regional exec who deals with teacher funds in New York 
many of whom are probably Jewish, and even if they aren't, are probably fucking, uh, fucking distraught and disgusted by that type of statement, mm-hmm. or had grandparents who fucking fought Adolf Hitler to stop that shit, mm-hmm. and a million other reasons. Or just have a moral compass. Or just have a moral compass where that's not okay. I'm now part of their brand, Mm -hmm. and so is that viewpoint that I put out there. And it becomes now for Charles Schwab the company you keep. For sure. If they choose to continue to employ me, they are willingly saying we are okay with somebody who feels like Nazis should have wiped out all Jews and we're having them in a really important role and we're good with that. And no company... Mm-hmm. is going to want to have that company to keep, so you are gone. And when you sit there and yeah. say, I got doxxed, that's fucked up, it was my freedom of speech. Right. No, man, no, it's fucking consequences. Yeah, I mean, I think you're talking about a lot of things in that scenario, because one is a societal, like, you're, you're being held accountable. So break it down, break it down. So use your example, like, the people who are watching you tear down these posters, I mean, you, no matter how you've... You've gotten so worked up as to why you're going to go down, tear down these posters. That doesn't concern me, right? Right. That's your that's your ideas. Those are your ideologies. Like that's where you're free. You're free to hold any position you want right. to hold. When you actually take it into the physical realm and say, "Hey, like I'm going to go down and take out those those propaganda posters of those hostages," and just see some you know coffee coffee house you know misanthropes see you and they're like, "Hey, bro, what are you doing? You know, yeah. you can't do this." Um, <clears throat> that's societal standards. That's like, hey, bud, like I'm gonna hold you accountable for your actions right now. Yeah. Those are posters of kids, like of missing people in this terrible fucking conflict. Yeah. Um, can we just leave those up for a second? That's that's the first realm of consequences that you're gonna have. And I had the right to do it. Yes. Had they assaulted me, then yeah. then, then I could have pressed charges on them. Of course. But but, but the thing about so that so when somebody yanks out that phone as this conversation goes on, and that you start spewing out some of this bullshit about you know. Uh, Nazis being, you know, should have finished off the Jewish race in 1939 or whatever, then you're taking it to a whole nother, you're taking that consequences now online. So you're looking at it, and this is the big difference. It used to be you'd been anonymous. No one would ever have known who you were. No one would ever have seen your face again. You might have either gotten your asses kicked or ran off, or you might have had a nice, you know, debate or, you know, fucking yelling at each other in the middle of the street. Might have gone to fisticuffs. We don't know. Right. I mean, this is past. The digital age, there's a there is going to be a a a permanent photograph of this moment, a, per, yeah. a permanent permanent video, and it gets uploaded to where millions of people can see it, right. and then eventually it's going to work itself in, and and then you'll get more of a society. That's I would call that digital consequences. You have the societal ones where it's face to face human beings. Digital consequences can be just as bad because something can, some some can be held some some things can be taken out of context. I mean. You hating Jewish that Jews Jewish people that much where you're thinking Nazis should finish them off. That's there's no nuance to that. But there are moments of conversations, moments of, and we've seen this to where you've had uh, a famous case of the New York Times reporter who is literally the beat writer for you know social 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 equality racism is giving this talk on racism and is using some of the words that racists use. To you know, to denote yeah. certain groups of people, Cherry he picks. is he is then fired because he used the words that he has dedicated his entire life to try to fight. Fight, yeah. And this and, and, and because again, they because they cherry pick because and, and and I'll say this too. But then you have I, an economic. I, I may have been angry in that moment with those people. They may have insulted believe, me, and I may not believe what I said. I was just trying to piss them off and right. get under their skin. Fuck you. But, That's what but you're trying to say. But it's but it's 
there forever. Yeah. And you can't say for certain whether I believe it or not. And and I'll ta- I'll attach this. I've been dealing in the last month with an online bullying situation with one of the kids that I work with who was a target for this. Well, that's terrible. And it involved another kid that I know that I never thought was capable of doing that. That sucks. A kid I've mentored. That sucks. And I got fifty. I got fifty-eight screenshots. And I'd have a conversation with this kid. And I'm dealing with the parents of the kid that was bullied. And back in our generation, you could get pissed off, get into a fight with a buddy, and say something like some of the stuff that was out there. And it was gone forever. It's just a it moment. was gone moment forever. It evaporated. And if we made up for it, we forgot about it because so many of those little things happened. But when then you bring other people into the chat thread and you're now out of it and the buddies you brought in that had your back are every morning typing something to this kid saying these things. You know, it's like one of those like, like know, one of those, those schoolyard fights where you have you have two people going into a fight and then you have a hundred people surrounding you, egging you into yeah, this fight yeah. and making it worse. But now but, worse. but now you have somebody saying every morning hey, you can't back down. Hey, good morning, faggot. Just wanted to let you know you're a pussy and a little bitch. Oh my god. Every morning. Yeah. Okay. If parents even wanted to move on from that at some point, if a kid came back and was like, I fucked up. Because I'm in seventh, eighth grade and I'm dumb and I'm really sorry. When we were kids, you could have a parent much more accept that, be upset about what happened, what their kids said that you said to them. But if it stops and you mend it, you're gold. That doesn't happen anymore because those 58 screenshots are not going away. And when a parent wants to sit there and be like, okay, this kid's really sorry, they go back and they reread it. Over and over again, and they can't get past you can't, it. You, you can't move on. But 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 you said that. Like, why would you even say that that yeah. many times if you actually were really sorry? You're fucked. And that's what I try and tell these kids in middle school all the time. With being online, what you text, what you write, it is there forever. And you are forever that person in that moment. And people can't forget it. And it's the same thing with video. You reveal a part of yourself that leaves an internal imprint on everybody who sees it. Yeah, we have an entire uh, kind of an entire group of people, Karens, that yeah. are. I mean, they're yeah. We could the term is for is, these, is for white women, women typically who white women lose their fucking who lose their mind about l- race or about culture or about things. something. And listen, are all of them probably like you know gun toting fucking you know KKK clan members? Doubt it. Did you catch them in a bad moment? Maybe. Their meltdown is forever. But we will never know. Right. We will never know because the only way that I know that particular Karen is because she's yelling at a Mexican girl in in a a gas station. And and logic and common sense tell you if over, you know, standing in line waiting to pay for your gas, the gas station, you went there, Mm -hmm. probably you're not a great person. Probably not. Because most people wouldn't even fucking yeah. say anything they'd just be like they'd think in their head fucking asshole for cutting me yeah. in line well i mean i, I mean the other fame I mean, there's so many famous karens out there i mean like when i see a, a an african-american uh person in the park with binoculars looking at birds my first thing, reaction yeah. is not not yeah. to call the cops yeah, yeah central park not exactly to call the cops. i mean yeah. and the only thing he did was say man could you please put your dog on a leash yeah you know i mean like he was he was actually get away from me you know, you're yeah. scaring me i'll call the cops yeah. motherfucker i know the cops will rush you over me and yeah. it's like that that right there is just ridiculous behavior, and 
and and maybe and, this and, dare, the, and dare I say white privilege? Well, right. Let's throw it in there. No, you throw okay. it in there. That's what it is. So the next level of, that's what they're talking about, folks. The next level of consequences would be an economic consequence. Usually, it's going to be your job. Right. Somebody who is monitoring social media at your organization, your work. I personally know of at least four people who have lost their jobs because of from my my place of employment because of social media behavior, um, and it, and it's it, it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean. Companies do not want to have to deal the company with you keep. the bullshit that you're going to to bring them. The like, company you keep. Uh, I just to share uh, anecdotally, one of my most favorites is when someone is out on a workers' comp claim mm. and they still <laughs> post their like badass vacations. Yeah, where they're on the ATV, uh, yeah, making yeah. a forty foot yeah. jump, uh, or they're or they're on they're on the they're on the beaches of Hawaii, like. Like snorkeling, having a good time, but when they come in to fill out paperwork, they got, they're, they're, they got, like, their neck they're, they're, they're barely moving. And it's like, listen, I know people get hurt at work. I'm not making light of that. Like that's that's a serious thing. I work in a fairly physical job, and so when you sit there and you look at some guys get broke down and they wonder why there's 50 million things to fill out and there's so many guardrails that you have to go through. It's because there's always a douchebag that's willing to take advantage of it. Right. And that guy's going to be known forever because he got fired for it. And right. so that will, that also will carry over into your further employment. Yeah. Hey, you got fired for a worker's comp claim. Yeah. Do I really want to hire you? Nope. Probably not, not taking that chance. Um, 10 guys so, out for this job. Again, these consequences have been amplified a lot of times because of the social media aspect of it. And it's not so much, I'm not blame, I'm not putting all of our societal ills on social media. What I'm saying is that there are things that you used to be able to say and do and you remained anonymous. Maybe you're in a little enclave. You might would have you might have pissed off maybe one or two of your fellow workmates or maybe your neighbors. But at the end of the day, with the, the advent of social media and how that shit is forever and it can be put online forever and everybody forever will know you as that Karen or that dude who just went fucking crazy on African Americans or tirades of like holding a gun up to a, a, a person of color in, in a, you know, who was, who was lawfully doing their job, you know, uh, what, is, what am I trying to say? Lawfully exercising their first amendment right, the right to assemble. Yeah. Um, you know, these things will always be there. You will always be known as those folks, those images they say, right? Yeah. Picture speaks a thousand words. And it's like, that is so true. Yeah. And that's, I think one of the reasons why people, from a societal standpoint, have a problem with what's going on today is because there's no more places to hide. Well, like, it's, I mean, you're, you're lucky if you just get in an argument and it ends there. But, but, the, but the issue is there were, all, there were always closet racists. There was always... There's openly, there's, there's there's openly racist there, people. There's always... Well, but that's the real difference, right? Yeah. There was always closet racists. Yeah, you always had your Archie Bunkers. Right? There was always closet misogynists. There's always closet everything. But... Now, the big difference is people feel like that the First Amendment somehow protects them from any type of backlash or response to these atrocious ideas. And so they are proud to come out and do these things and show this side of themselves. And then they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Or they'll stand in front of a judge after January six and cry, and then go, and then the go and then go back home mm-hmm. and post that this judge is like a part of the deep state, and mm-hmm. you know I'm being fucking persecuted. Well, now the judge is getting death threats. Yeah, so <laughs> so like that's the next level where I want to go with this, right? And I'm gonna focus on like well, th- this will this podcast will probably find a way to like disappear now, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step here and I'm gonna focus on Elon Musk, All right? So Elon so, Musk, you know somebody who has so much money that consequences aren't part of his lexicon ever. And, and whose dad had so much money consequences were probably never part of his lexicon. 
comes in, buys Twitter, changes its name to X, fires everybody that like had that thing functioning on some level. Now you can pay for a, a blue check mark next to your name. I'm a purist when it comes to free you know speech. free speech. So all these people that had these huge platforms mm-hmm. that amplified to millions and millions of people this nonsense or this bullshit or violent rhetoric or racist rhetoric out and out lies or out I and mean, out lies Alex Jones just got reinstated this right, week. he reinstated reinstated Trump reinstated all these people and then tries to be like well it's about free speech and I'm for free speech I'm not not part of the Gestapo but here's the deal like the reason that they're trying to regulate this stuff is because there is a basic human assumption and it's always been this way for human beings if this is being headlined mm-hmm. if it's being put out there on a platform that millions of people use and there's front page access to this post mm-hmm. or this video from this guy it must be legit it must be legit that's what people think so when they listen to going they listen to joe rogan and rogan has these guys on there and 20 million people are getting to listen to this 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 absurd idea well, he's a guest on Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's a badass. He's the most popular podcast in the world. They, they, they wouldn't have some nut job come on there. There must be truth to what this guy is saying, or Joe wouldn't have him on here, because Joe's about finding independent truth outside of media and, and getting to the source. Mm-hmm. Like, people believe that when somebody reaches that many people, that there's validity behind the fact, because if it wasn't valid, why would they get the time of day? Why would he even have a platform? Why would she have a platform? And that's what that's what these people play off of that the mass of people don't understand that that's not what it's really about and that's the danger day and why it needs to be re- regulated. And then, you know, well, Musk. I, Musk, I, I yeah, want to say one thing about yeah, the Twitter yeah. thing. It's like so. We're, if we're going to talk about Musk and, and consequences, I think it was and you you described very quickly. Well, I, I understand getting, that yeah, you were trying to get to a it, point, yeah. but it was so much more nefar- nefarious than that. Well, because of course, we come up with like the Twitter files, right? Yeah, and the Twitter files were supposed to be this really big expose on you know, the government influence on, on, on Twitter and how it influenced what was, you know, what was acceptable to put on Twitter around the 2020 election. Right. Specifically the 2020 election. I always like how they focus on the 2020 election um, in terms of, you know, all these people talking about the Twitter file. If you, I mean, my thing is, is if you had a problem with the government being involved in Twitter, they certainly did get involved in 2020 because they were afraid of, Obviously, the Russians coming in and right. the Hunter Biden story, the laptop story became <clears throat> so much of, of, of a bell whistle for some of these folks because it ended up being true. I mean, there was a there was a laptop out there. Most of us were convinced that it was probably just bullshit uh, because who would do that other than a junkie? And we found out that Hunter Biden was pretty much a junkie. Um, and what was on that laptop was pretty much what nude photos and him just doing basically crank off some whores yeah you know sex, and i don't sex, mean to say sex, that she video, she was a sex worker vi- video um, videotaping sex but let's just say stuff. this um the problem that i have with with musk is is that he he framed this this company working with the government as a, a deplorable terrible thing and my thing is is it doesn't i don't really understand his argument because first and foremost Twitter is a it is a privately held company company right I mean it, before I think they did go uh, public, public it doesn't yeah. matter they were still a private company they were not it's not a public utility right. just because you are all on it and you want to be on it and you actually post on it 
doesn't mean that it's a right. 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 If 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 Twitter closed their doors, like yeah, it's all gone. It's gone. You don't have it. Doesn't we're not paying into it. Everything you upload, everything you post is gone. It's all gone, or it's going to be sold to another company that's going to buy it. Yeah, who's going to have all that data? Right. And so the thing about it is, is I don't really fully comprehend what the argument is. It's a private company saying, "Hey, I need you to come in here and help me out with this because what again the company you keep the this private company does not want this to become a digital clan meeting. Right. It doesn't want it to become a separatist meeting. Doesn't it, doesn't, be, it doesn't want to become QAnon. And, it doesn't QAnon want uh, this to be a meeting place affair. for very nefarious actors to get together to do nefarious things. And amplify And I message. would say I would say we have a prime example of that in the digital space, which was 4chan and 8chan. Yes. I mean, the dude at Christ Church who shot up how many people down there? 60-something. Um, he, he live-streamed that. Yeah. On was it four chan that he, yeah. he live streamed that on? I think so. Um, is it four chan or eight chan? I, I don't. I, I've never been on these things. I'm not a social media guy because I, I guess I'm an antisocial guy. But what I don't understand is is how people cannot see that and go, yeah. If I were a, a president or CEO of a company that is a social media company, I wouldn't want the Unabomber's manifesto posted on my fucking website speech, and then yeah. have them bomb and then have him the next day bomb yeah, somebody i wouldn't want that free speech he gets to he gets to put his little head right. cam on and go watch us we all get to watch that him is, kill people that is the worst because, form of voyeurism because, because that's in what the we world want to do and we should all get to see it i mean free. it's nothing more than a blood sport at that point you're just tuning in just to see what kind of bullshit you can see which says more about you than it says about me and not having a problem wanna, with the wanna, fbi, FBI you consulting a, you want to have a civil society that's got to go and to build on top of the Twitter files and all that shit, he gets to the point where he finally starts making these just outrageous, first outrageous comments about Putin and Ukraine. Nobody gives, seems to give a shit about that except for the Ukrainians who, you know, basically said, fuck off Starlink. Starlink. Kind of, yeah. yeah, bye, yeah. see you later. Yeah. So I don't know how what a great business decision that was for him because they were using that all over the place and the U.S. government was cutting checks for it. But okay, you don't want, you don't want money, fine. Because you hate the Biden administration and all. Well, the other thing about Musk I don't understand is he hates he hates fucking California for the taxes, the regulations. I mean, from SpaceX to Starlink, yeah. uh, it was pretty much subsidized by American taxpayers. He he just yeah, one hundred percent subsidized, and to just file the lawsuit claim uh, because they're pissed off because X didn't get funding subsidized by the U.S. government for being able to. They said they could go out there and they could lay out basically like you know. Um, 5G and all this stuff for connectivity in rural areas. They lost this bid for for subsidizing because they didn't pro- they didn't present a convincing enough argument that they're actually going to follow through with this. Like, well, and it was just going to be a payout. Like Verizon for did for New, Jer- right, New Jersey. Right. Verizon said, "Oh, we'll, we'll hook up everybody yeah. to Wi-Fi when it yeah. comes available." And this is a really old case. And when it became available, and Verizon took the state's money, it was like, "Yeah, we're not going to really yeah. do that." Yeah. So you know? so and now he's like, "Oh, this is this is not freedom." It's like. Wait, you didn't get a you didn't get a contract for our taxpayer dollars, which which was a blank check that you could have just taken and spent on something else, and you're gonna whine and bitch about this? You didn't even earn that shit. You just you're just pissed off, and so this is now not freedom. So this is this is a new article. Is I, I if you're listening, to this, go read that. But prior to that, makes this you know, the Jews of the world essentially, or you know. Oh, he weighs in on this. Yeah, yeah. against the yeah. world order, and they're the re, they're the downfall of all white people, and blah blah blah. I, I'm he retweets that right. He not didn't par- say that. I'm not he paraphrasing. It. He retweets it, and so this all of a sudden, right? Just the the company you keep, all the advertisers that 
pull. Care about this shit. Apple, all these people pull off of X. Disney, all those He okay. is just, def- this is this is bullshit, and they're just trying to well, silence. No, I think he said at some symposium they can go fuck them. Yeah, this is silence. Well, that's what I was getting yeah. there. So then he goes to the, they're trying to interview him about it, and he goes, so the advertisers, they can fuck themselves. Yeah. And he's like, looks to get this smile from the audience is not laughing. Yeah, a couple well, people chuckle. Yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, but that's, your whole platform dies like your business says. He goes, yes. He looks over at the woman who's on. That is correct. It will, Twitter will probably die. But I'm going to say it one more time. They can all go fuck themselves. <laughs> and it's like yeah. the dude who's interviewing him was this finance guy. Is like. Yeah, Sorkin, I think his name is. Right? Just like lost. Yeah. And, and and then when they closed out the, the interview, he's like, and one more time, just in case people forgot, the advertisers can go, you you all know what they can go do. <laughs> and it's like, and then and then he said, so then he questions him before that, though. And he says, I'm not sure why you would say that and why you want the platform. And he goes, because then the whole world is watching and they'll know. The platform, if Twitter dies, it's because of them, not me. And it's like, no, you jack fuck. You it's just told all your... Uh, yeah, you're saying stupid ass shit. You are telling all your advertisers that they can go fuck themselves and you don't care if they leave. In a business world where it's dog eat dog and you project strength, I'm going to let some lunatic on a, on a social media platform tell me to go fuck myself. And they're going to come groveling back. I'm going to come groveling back to them. I mean, we have seen them go back before. We have, yeah. but but what I'm saying is, yeah. that's what you put out there. If Twitter dies and everybody bails, it's not anybody's fault except for yours, Elon. No, yeah, I, and again, I mean, but you're talking about somebody who, and this is, but it's consequences, man. This is but the he, problem but, that we have in the United plat- States. But his platform, it's communism, yeah. authoritarian, and, and Biden and anti-free the Nazis, anti free speech, trying to shut up. No, dude. You're a fucking idiot. You're a fucking idiot for saying any of that shit and thinking that there's not going to be, that he's in this world where he lives where he can say whatever he wants and you shouldn't be able to bail off well, he's also, he's, And if you do, it's your fault that you fucked me because you tried to shut me down. Right. You, he's also, and this is this is a big problem in the United States, and I'm sure the world over, but I, I'm only going to speak for the United States, is the lack of consequences for people in, of his stature. Well, and that's what I was going to say. So this is my question to you. Mm-hmm. When he's making those statements and he's holding that viewpoint, he sounds very much like Donald Trump. And I'm going to throw this. So this is where I'm going. When these guys who have this platform, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, Donald Trump, make the oh, I'm just asking questions. This is pure free speech. The deep state wants to shut us down. Yeah. Who are they pandering to? Who is this meant to mobilize? Because it ain't you and me, dude. Because they're not speaking my language. It doesn't even do anything very... Because I'm not that guy. When they're then when they're yelling like that and throwing that fit, being the snowflake they so purport to hate, the only person you're talking to whose language you're speaking is somebody who wants to talk like that, be in people's faces, do it in front of a camera, and then not have to suffer any consequences. And that's a rare breed of people that want to act like that and think that they should be able to act like that and there should be no consequences. It's really interesting, but not. Well, it's it's unfortunately. Well, I wouldn't say utterly predictable because I think that crosses you know a lot of boundaries in terms of who these people might be. But yeah, I I, I would agree with you. I think 
I think because there has been some accountability and we're trying to move the needle forward on race relations in this country, even class relations in this country. I mean, you know, in terms of trying to, we've had almost 35 years of just, just utterly fucking the tax code up, um, leaving some states to, it seems, I'm not saying true, it seems like, you know, especially uh, some states trying to raise more taxes individually instead of trying, you know, to try to do things that the federal government just simply doesn't have the money to do in terms of block grants anymore. Um, infrastructure, I mean, in California, we'll speak to California where taxes are a big thing. I'm sure everyone saw the Hannity Newsom um, yelling yelling match. I wouldn't call it a debate. Oh, um, Hannity, in terms Hannity of Hannity tried to save DeSantis' ass so many times. Yeah, well, DeSantis can't get out of his own way. I mean, he's just a really bad candidate. But but to speak to that, it's one of the things that Newsom is going to have to come up with. And this is just an, just an example of, say, a blue state, you know, over taxation bullshit is he's going to come. He's going to have to come up with better answers for the taxation. He just does. He ha- I mean, he has to. It's something that does not getting across to people, even this state. I mean, it's not that hard. I can give him his answer right now. Of course you could, but he didn't have. OK, it. Well, well, but it's really basic and simple. And so if you're listening and you're not from California, I'll tell you why we have high taxes. We vote for them every time. The people of California the, the initiatives. vote to raise our own taxes every time. And I had a friend, so, buddy, if you make it But to a lot the, of states don't have the initiatives it, it, that we have. Yeah, if, you ma- if you make it to this episode, you ask me, you ask me a problem, you ask me a question about, like, was there... You know, if our, if our economy is so good in California, how come we have this debt that's so high? I'll tell you right now. I'm going to give you an answer. 72% of the debt that we carry that people freak out is debt that we don't have yet, but that we voted for as as citizens of the state of California through initiatives. And the initiative process. For projects that will yeah. come up that we are taxing ourselves, that when the taxes come up and the projects start, we will pay for. So 72% of our debt isn't actual real debt because it's already been passed, voted on. It's future projects. And, and you know, future, future yeah. projects that they're working on now or paying for now that, pre, that future taxes will cover the cost of. So there's your answer. It's that simple. But I want to go back to the Musk thing and the Trump thing and the Rogan thing because I think, to me, it's all tied to a bigger issue. These guys are screaming and screaming about free speech and there shouldn't be, I'm going to get canceled and the woke culture is going to come get me and I'm going to get doxxed. And this is bullshit because it should be free speech. They want to say all this conspiracy theories. They want to lie openly. Hopefully nobody catches them. When Rogan does get caught lying, he always has some weird excuse where he's like, I, uh, I, I was given bad information, but you know, I'm just asking questions. Oh, he's just a comedian. You shouldn't um, get your yeah, news from yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, you shouldn't be getting your news from me, mm-hmm. even though he's spewing off a viewpoint that he wants 12 million people to hear all the time or however many people are listening to that show now. But while this is all being said and projected out there to all the, the dudes and women who are thumping their chest, feeling strong, yeah, I should be able to say what, yeah, tell it how it is, these fucking pansies and these snowflakes and this counterculture that's all fucked up and changing America and blah, blah, blah. I hate diversity. I hate that I have to hear about this shit and male and female bathrooms and have destroyed my life. While they're, while they're saying that, there should be zero consequences. The people that they are voting for and funding money to are passing laws that actually ban books. 
and stop libraries from being built and not allow certain people to participate in sport or in legislature or things like this. All these freedom-loving people, the people they're running in circles with, are anything but for freedom. They're using all their legislative power to ram through non-freedom-related things, trying to stop abortions, trying to stop women from being able to be able to make their own healthcare decisions. Again, banning books. Because if I ban books and I can control what's taught in school and stop people from learning about what people like me who talk like me actually did in history when they had the power, then what I'm saying won't be bad. Because people, nobody will know that this is bad and this is off color and nobody should be talking about it because nobody learned that this shit was bad stuff. I don't, think we, should, I don't think we should be getting our moral compass from the wings of our, our political parties. Our moral compass should actually be a little bit more organic than that. Yeah, organic and, uh, and, and centered. And, and listen, and, and let's be honest, dude. We have taken, just in my generation, and I'm sure every generation has their own gripes and bitches, but let me just say this. In my, there, there are not a lot of institutions left that does not have dirt on their hands. I mean... You look to your religious institutions. Uh, you have the old cardinal. Well, you have, you have, right have yeah, American Catholic Church that is that has uh, has gone the way of defying the Pope because he's apparently not conservative enough. But for me, it was you know as a former uh, well, I was born Catholic. I couldn't. You know, I have to explain that one to their congregations after they talked about how the Pope is the mouthpiece of God for I agree. You know, centuries and millennia now. And then was it? And then also the um, just the, just the child sex case, the sex abuse case, and how the 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 Catholic Church just completely and utterly, I mean, total absence of moral, uh, just a moral compass of trying to navigate that as a reasonable and I think as a responsible you know member of the community, uh, they 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 ended up being just like everybody else. Protect the assets. Yeah. Um, there's multiple multitudes of churches, not just the Catholic Church. Uh, I just had a personal connection. That's why I said it. Multiple multitude of churches that are out there saying that Donald Trump, who is obviously not a godly man, they're trying to convince their parishioners that he is a godly man, right? And so there's a lot of people distrusting institutions these yeah, days. Yeah, you, you got you got born, where you get your moral you got, compass. You got born again evangelical like super congregations that televise their stuff, right? That have people on the altar stage area at the front of the church holding up assault rifles. Right. Um, not not to even mention prosperity preaching, all that it's stuff. All, yeah, it's, all about money. Yeah, Jesus I mean, loves you when you're rich. Yeah. Um, or if you pray enough yeah. to Jesus, he's going to get you read, rich. Read, read, um, the, read the gospel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See how he feels about the wealth. No one's going to do that anymore. It's a lost art, like you said. Yeah. Uh, but the, what I'm, I guess the point I'm trying to make is the institutions that we used to garner our morals from all in question. We are in a we are in a transition period where we are questioning everything. We found we find out that a lot of our institutions have a lot of a lot of blood on their hands, a lot of mud on their clothes. I mean, they have done a lot of things. Fucking Boy Scouts of America. Who would have thunk that? Bro? I mean, I mean, that, I mean, you know what I mean. And it makes me sad too because like that means that that the people like Donald Trump and that ilk have done they've done what they wanted to do. They blurred the lines for everything. So that we're suspicious of everybody. No, what I'm trying to say is there's real... But I mean, there's... There there are real fucking problems in these institutions. Right, right, right. right, No, but I'm also saying that 
they blurred the lines that those things with a lack of nuance get yanked into this other stuff. Oh, I agree. Oh, I'm sorry. That's I what totally, I'm, that's, I totally that's what I'm trying what to say. For. Yeah. And that's the danger we of all cannot, this. We cannot delineate between what is real and what is yeah, fake. Like yeah. what is That's the danger. And that's the biggest so, problem. So somebody who listens to Joe Rogan and follows Elon Musk, tunes into our thing and hears you say that one little part. Yeah. And they're like, see, even these guys, the Marx saying every institution is dirty. That's not what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. I know there are a I, lot of institutions in which most people were socialized. I know that's not what you're saying. And got but more, I'm saying, and, 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 and developed a moral yes, compass from. This is what you're saying. Neither, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. I think the point that I'm making is, that's what makes me sad. When you said it, I'm like 100%. But what makes me sad is, we can't even say that anymore. Without somebody running off with it and taking it. To oh, QAnon talking about lines. the deep state and yeah, QAnon exactly. Because now, now listen, well, listen, well, it's all there, so well, this is, so it's all this is it the, all needs to be torn down. This is the point. Right? It all needs to be torn is, down. Bro. This is the point of nuanced, right? That there are there are institutions of the government that have that have behaved terribly. It's not the institution itself; it is the people in charge of these institutions. That it's not. There's not this. It, yeah. It's not this monolithic leviathan that yeah. just exists outside of the framework of human of, of human interaction. Uh, the president of the United States matters. Leadership yeah. matters. Yeah. The people that the president or the Senate or Congress put in place to run these institutions matters. Matters. I mean, I hate to give the prime example of GW talking about Brownie doing a great job down in fucking you know Louisiana during uh, Sandy Hook when what did Brown what did uh, that guy run? He was the head of FEMA. He was a he was a political appointed person who gave a lot of money to his campaign. He ran he, he ran like a. I think it's something to do with horse racing. Mm. And he put him in charge of FEMA. Yeah. And we didn't know why we couldn't clean up fucking... Are oh, you talking about Katrina? Not Katrina. Sandy sorry, Hook. sorry, sorry. Katrina. I don't know why I said Sandy Hook. Because you're thinking about Alex Jones getting back. No, I was thinking career. about... Sandy, uh, what, was the, what was the hurricane in New York? Uh, Sandy. Sandy. Hurricane Sandy. And then Alex Jones getting back put on back on Twitter was something that completely blew my mind this week. Um, because why? Why? <laughs> um... So yes, there are times where the government has behaved badly. There are times when, but you have to be, you have to be a fucking adult and realize that a gov- our government, because it is based on democratic principles, is ever changing. There is an ebb and flow of people in and out, different philosophies, different types of organizational philosophies, different types of pragmatic philosophies of like, hey, my, you know, this department is going to be about filling potholes. This department's going to be about this. This department. It's not just about spying on you and right. finding out and, and trying to get vaccines into your body so we can track you. It's mm. not about that, dude. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is they're not even, and this is my, one of my biggest complaints about Trump. But it Trump is, you're, and it is, is you're, you're shedding on me right now. <laughs> one of my biggest problems with Trump is that his lies aren't even good. They're not even, I mean, the web, the, the, the web of lies that he is weaving are just so fucking sophomoric that there's this deep state, it's called a bureaucracy, Trumpy. You know, and it's out to get me. Well, because you're an asshole and nobody likes you. And you've broken so. Many and you laws didn't have a lot of friends going into this. And rules. And the fact that you know, I you know, I'm trying to be a, a game changer here. I'm trying to drain the swamp. No, you're 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 operating outside of, of you're, norms. You're literally trying to. You are the yeah, swamp. You're trying to. You're operating outside of norms. There's consequences for that. Yeah. You know who? I mean, I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to equate. I'm not trying to give an example. Do you know? There were a lot of people who've done a lot of good who have become American heroes. We forget that Martin Luther King Jr. was thrown in fucking prison. Yeah. Writes one of the best letters in the world in Birmingham jail about about, about justice. Yep. Yeah. Um, he was going outside of the norms for the time. Yep. Yeah. 
and I'm not equating him with Trump at all. But right. pe- what I'm saying is when people operate outside the norms, there are consequences for that. And there are those who will try to push the needle forward and try to make a, a, a place, a, a, better a world, world a better place. And there's people who try to make the world theirs. And yeah. Donald Trump reminds me of a type of person who wants to make the world his. Yeah. And for his kind. Yeah, he... And I don't know who his kind is. No, I'm not he, saying it's he, a racial no, thing. I'm just no, saying I don't his, know who the fuck no, his, his kind, kind his is. kind is Putin. His kind, kind is Xi. You don't have to... He praises these people. He wants to make America and run America like those places. Full authoritarian with his control to do whatever he so wants. So when you do muddy the waters like that, where every institution is bad, we need to tear it down. No, we need to recognize that they have done bad. And we need to do better. Yeah, That's the, the thing I get. Yeah. The other thing, too, though, and this will be my last point, and you can talk for the rest of the time, is going to be just how serious of a battle this this 2024 election cycle is going to be. Well, we said it, right? We said before, just because, we, we, said before we started this. We said, you and I said, the 20, 22, and 24 was going to determine the course of America. Yeah, the most consequential. The most consequential election. The reason why I'm saying this in this particular episode about consequences is... We mentioned Joe Rogan. We mentioned the podcasters out there. Everybody knows them. Everyone's guilty. Not even guilty. Everyone listens to them. I talk radio, all of it, yeah. I think Joe Rogan, last time I checked, had like 11, 12 million viewers per episode, or listeners per episode. Um, you have, like, you know, Tucker Carlson's doing his thing on X. You have Elon Musk, who has the pulpit of X and the media, the media at, at, his, at his whim. And it started to dawn on me, no wonder why we have such a bad sort of idea or bad thoughts about President Biden. Or, you know, our, our, our image of him is of an old guy who can barely speak, who's getting very little done, contrary to all the data that we have in front of us, that this yeah. guy has actually done a tremendous amount in the short time he's been in there. More than any um, other modern American president. Right. And, it, and unfortunately, the narrative is running contrary to the evidence. Yeah. And it... Which it dawned very, on me. Very fitting it dawned on me the other day because, especially around the Israel thing, Israel Gaza conflict, he could take to the pulpit, and maybe, maybe a few million people listen to him every day. Yeah, because he's on lamestream media that's already deep state, deep deep state owned and operated. It's all propaganda. Right. No one's listening to that. Right. They're getting their truth. They're getting their. Their real news, their independent, their own research, they're getting it from the Rogans and from their podcasts. And so there is no such thing as the bully pulpit now for the presidency. There is literally just a fucking collage of voices out there that are all telling you different things. And and think about it, because people on the center, center right, the right, like to think about this country being run like a business. That's why they typically like to elect businessmen into the presidency. If this is a businessman, your CEO should be able to come up and tell you what's going on, yeah. what's happening. But when you're sitting there, you know, in the copy machine, in the letter room, you know, listening to some guy who works in an office in a dark corner who's told you that he's discovered some crazy shit that's going on up at the top, and you stop listening to the CEO when they're telling you the state of affairs at each quarter, your business is in fucking trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's really difficult for me to to sit there and, and take a lot of the criticism that Biden has had to endure this past year very seriously. Yeah, it's um, a, it's a fucking joke. It's just it's it's and it and to me it's gearing up to be one of the wackiest twenty twenty fours. And hey, we're gonna be there right with you. Yeah, we are. So come jump in with us in twenty twenty four. We will when we come back after this break at the start of season three. Um, obviously, it's gonna be about a lot of it's gonna be about the election. We'll probably do a lot of. Um, 
we're going to do some deep dives into some of the hot issues that are on the forefront. Immigration is going to be one. Immigration is going to be run. We'll probably, we, we've been wanting to get to Afghanistan for a while. I've read books on Afghanistan uh, yeah, for it. So, so we're, we're going to get to things that are going to be points that, like, you know, people have complained about or said there was, you know, issues with. We'll, we'll revisit economy. We'll look at where, you know. The, we're going to look at crime, right? Yeah, we're going to look, look at crime. Because that's going to be a, big, a yeah. big thing. We're going to look at all the, the hot buttons. We'll do some deep, some deep dives. And then I think we're going to try to get a balance between, you know, what issues people are going to care about coming up into the election and then do some of our more like in the moment dealing with our kind of manure medley as things happen and what we're reacting to. Yeah, we'll have some some fast takes. And because we ran out of time for this episode in our finale, we will open up in our intro uh, for our third season when we come back from winter break at the beginning of 2024 with predictions for what we think is going to happen in 2024. I'm pretty sure I'm going to shit my pants. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for hanging with us this crazy season. Uh, That wraps up our season two. Uh, We will catch you guys after the holidays when 2024 comes around. Whatever you celebrate. uh, We hope you have a great time with your families and your friends. And uh, that you just enjoy this time of year. And are able to reflect on, uh, you know, whatever blessings you've had over 2024. Despite whatever um, issues you've faced. Yeah. All right, Jimmy. Love you guys. See ya. Bye-bye.